guys catch that Kadao uh, got into the bath with his robe on? Yes. <laughs> what I the fuck? So con- I was so confused because he like stands under a shower with his robe on and then he like sits on a bench while his hair's washed, but like it's all just pouring onto his body. I. But then when he's sitting on that bench, he takes it half off and it's just around his waist and then he puts it back on to get into the bath. I'm like, what is happening? Right. Yeah, why are you wearing it at all? Welcome to your safe space, the podcast your partner, friends, parents, whoever thinks is dirty. Don't have time to read books? Want to understand the TikToks? We got you, fam. We're the Spice Traders, and we deal in spicy books. My name's Katie, and I need it to make sense. Hi, I'm Des, and I would love to talk about feelings today. I'm Liz, and I'm hypercritical. As always, we start every episode with three things. The first is a generic trigger warning. You can find specific triggers for this book in our show notes, so please check those out. Also, we do use foul language and talk a lot about sex. You have sensitivity to that? This isn't the podcast for you. Secondly, we talk about books. The whole book, nothing about the book, so help me goddess. If you plan to read this book and you don't want something spoiled, don't listen to this episode right now. Lastly, we acknowledge that a good book can hit you at the wrong time. The views expressed in our discussion are our opinions, and we absolutely do not want to diminish the work and the talent of the authors in our community. That said, we have some notes. So Liz, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about A Taste of Gold and Iron by Alexandra Rowland. It was published in 2022, so it is a very recent book, and it is a standalone new adult fantasy. It is 512 pages in a physical copy. Um, Did any of us have the physical book? I didn't. I had Kindle. I also had Kindle. I had Kindle, too. How do you guys feel about the cover? It's fine. I was really confused picking it up because um, we find out that our main character has hair down to his elbows. And looking at the cover, I thought it was a woman. And I was like, no, this is supposed to be LGBTQ. Why is that a woman? And it's not. It's just our male lead. This is a longie of our categorization of our shorties, middies, and longies. So this one's 512 pages, and it categorizes as a longie. It also kind of it feels long. Some it longies don't feel long. long. This yeah. one, it's drink some coffee. Going back to the title or going back to the cover page for a second, the thing that bothers me is we are routinely told throughout the entire book that one of the main characters' hair is like jet black. The cover, he does not have jet black hair. He has brown hair. Oh, yep. I want to look at it again. That was my problem too. But to extrapolate on that, we don't get a whole lot of descriptions about most characters here, except for the main guy. So, like, you're right. I have no idea what ever looks like. Oh yeah, Evmar has dark. A bit of a disclaimer in this book: the author uses some non-binary terms for gender, which is great. That's wonderful. We love an inclusive book. However, the terms that she uses are not ones that like we as a group are familiar with um, or are really good at being able to pronounce. So the words that are used are used like C-I-R, but C is used with like a, a special character. Um, and so rather than try to butcher those names, we're going to go with they, them, as that is more of a commonplace nomenclature for non-binary. Um, but it was something we noticed throughout the book, and it was something that 
because it was a little out of character, made the book a little harder to read in the beginning because we weren't quite sure if that was a person or if that was a pronoun. We have settled on after doing some research that it is a pronoun. Um, But just as a heads up to our listeners, if we're here talking about they, them, and you're not seeing that in the book, that is what we're referring to. Also, the first time you pick up this book, particularly on Kindle, and you get to that um, character, the C with the accent on the bottom, there's a word for that. I don't know what it is. It kind of looks like your Kindle is just broken. Broken. Yeah. Which is, we had... We had to deduce that it was a pronoun. Not broken. Yeah. It was not broken. I remember, like, I was reading it, and I hemmed and hawed about whether or not to message you guys to ask questions about it, because I was like, am I just an idiot? Like, should I just know what this is? But it was so distracting in the read for me that I was like, I just, I have to ask. They'll know. They'll have the answers for me. And then you guys were like, I don't know. I was like, I assume it's a pronoun, because it's the only thing that really makes sense. Right. And as you read, it's very clear that it's a pronoun. Yeah. Um, it just takes a minute to figure that out. Yes. Yeah. Especially because it's, I don't know how to pronounce it, which makes it hard. Right. And it's for multiple characters, which yes, there are multiple non-binary people. And it's great that that representation is in the book, but that also made it a little confusing. Like, is this a group thing? Like guy or like people's like, is this for Y'all? one person or yeah. Yeah. Is it encompassing? It was just, it was a little confusing. It was. And I wish the author would have put a note in there, just kind of helping the reader understand that. Because I think, like, again, we love an inclusive book. But if you're going to use words that are outside what I consider to be standard nomenclature, you need to, like, also there was no, like, glossary of terms on the back for all of these places. And again, that would have been really nice because a pronunciation guide would have been good a guide at all for like any of these things would have been good. So I, yes. And that that's the real thing because this particular symbol, this character that we're talking about character being like the letter, not the human um, is used in other, other words like um, names of places, but also use this letter. And we still don't know how to say that letter. And I don't know how to Google C with the dangly bit. Like, I, I don't got know you. how to look that up. I got you, fam. I just I just Googled that. Did you Google C with the dangly bit? I That's not the words I used. Well, come on, Dad. <laughs> you got to use the good, good words. It's a C sedila. It's a Latin script letter used in Albanian, Azerbaijani, Manx, Tatar, Turkish, Turkish, Kurdish, and Romance alphabets. Okay, fine. How do you say it? I wonder if that's why, because there's a lot of influence in this book from like that part of the world. I wonder if that's why the author chose to go with this term, because perhaps in that region, that's more commonplace. Yes, which does track because it is very like Turkish vibes. I was Googling the author. They do use they, them pronouns. Okay, that's good to know. We probably should have researched that beforehand. Yes. I'm not sure if we've used a pronoun with um, Alexandra Roland yet, but I know we probably will at the end or my show notes. So I just want to call that out here. I think we probably used pronouns in the beginning. And so Alexandra, I'm super sorry. Um, We should have researched that beforehand. That's on us. But this doesn't tell me how to say it because it looks like it is pronounced differently depending on the origin. Like, so French, I can wrap my head around because it's, like the C in garçon. So it's that like, or facade. But I don't think we're pulling from French. I think we're pulling from like Turkish. Turkish and I think it's Iranian pronounced differently. 
Yeah. There so, was only okay, one possible sound for this type of C, and apparently it sounds like the S in simple. Okay, so like garçon. Yeah. So okay. then sir or well, sem also would be how we curacao, say it. which is also similar. Oh, yeah. Oh, I could have figured that out, which is still an S. Yeah. Um. Okay, so then it is the sir, sem, C. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we got there, guys. What a journey. Today, today we learned. We learned something, and that's great. We love a learn. We love a learn. All Correct. right. So, Katie, why don't you kick us off with this wonderful plot? It would be my pleasure. So, the before we get into the actual story, I'm a little curious. Um, none of us had a physical copy, but there's not a map in the Kindle version. And I'm just wondering if there might have been a map in the physical version, because... Man, I feel like that would have been really helpful because they talk about geography a lot. This is a very heavy politics, like geopolitical intrigue book, which is great, except uh, I don't know where everything is. And I don't even know, like, is that far? Is that near? Who knows? Well, and that's the thing is, I think that's why there probably wasn't a map. It's not like they go to any of those places. They just talk about them in a very esoteric way. And it's like confusing. But also, I'm not sure it matters, but it does to the characters. I uh... Yeah, like, we get distance about one place where it's they want to invite someone to come and visit, and they say it's going to take two to three months because it's amount, about a month to for the messenger to get there with the invitation and then about a month to return. But we don't really know what the travel looks like. Like, are those horses? Is that on a ship? Is that a flying carpet? I don't a toad. know. A toad. A toad, a, if you will. A yeah. toad. <laughs> well, and I think beyond the the relational spatial aspect of it, there were just I we it's not giving anything away to talk about this up at the front, but I think one of the reasons I struggled so hard in this book was because I felt like I wasn't getting any help orienting in the world. Because with the map thing, there were so many different there's a lot of places here, and I can't pronounce them because of my ham fisted English mouth, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> But it was incredibly difficult for me to parse whether we were talking about a person, a place, a city, a country, an a idea. religion, a language. Right. Yeah. And so a lot of these conversations meant nothing to me until I got halfway through the book and my context clues like started kicking in and I could finally I ha- finally had enough pieces of information to say, okay, this is probably a city they're talking about or this is probably a country. Yeah, and that was one of the things that yeah. so I'm I'm a feelings person. I love a feeling. There were too many feelings in this book. So many feelings, man. And so like so many feelings. <laughs> there there was there's two parts to this book. There's the political intrigue, which if you miss any of it, you're gonna miss it. And also if you're not interested in that, it's not gonna grab you. And then there's feelings. Even if you're a person who likes feelings, it's too many feelings. And they're stupid, immature, childish feelings, if you ask me. Yeah. And they're feelings of your own making to us. I mean that sounds stupid when i say it like that but i mean a lot of these characters wallow in feelings that i'm just like wow mm, that is a very easily fixable problem you have there and they wallow in feelings that like other like okay so our main character which we'll get into a lot wallows in a lot of guilt and self-loathing self-imposed that and everyone's like no we love you you're fine and he's like i am terrible like (laughs) shut the fuck up to get into the plot, we don't have a map, which I know we're all disappointed about. Mm-hmm. But we begin, and we meet Prince Kadao. Kadu. How did K- you guys read this name? Kadao. Kadao. Okay. I read it 
like Kadoo, and everybody saw it, it was like skadoo skadoosh. <laughs> so I read it as like Kadoo at some point, and that made me think of a kudu from like like an animal in Africa. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I started saying Kadao, because that was easier for me. Kadao is mo- is better than my Kadoosh. <laughs> I also page one, just so we're clear, page one has what I consider to be one of the longest sentences I've ever seen. I highlight in my notes, like I highlight sentences and I was highlighting a piece of information and I was like, where does this sentence, oh my God, it's on to the next page. What has happened? This is the longest sentence I've ever read. Do you the have first- the sentence handy? Oh, I yes, do. Read it to us. Please do a dramatic reading. Oh, Lord. Okay. Because uh, I wanted to give up on this book in the first chapter. <laughs> I uh, Yeah. Also, the chapters are really long. They are They're very long. They're so long. <laughs> There's 16 chapters, or 18 chapters, less than 20 chapters, and it's a 500-page book. You do the yeah. math. Yeah. When I hit chapter two, I was like, are you kidding me? We're not in chapter 10. <laughs> I know, right? So here's the sentence. With his, with his sister, the sultan, indisposed and gleefully taking advantage of her own opportunity for some peace, the duties of, resep- of representing House Mashiti, Mashi- Mashiti? I'm going with Mashiti, sure. uh, to the populace naturally fell to Kadao, as did a greater than usual proportion of the daily concerns of the realm. A very alarming break-in at the shipbuilder's guild on the night of the birth itself, a wealthy merchant from Osisos? Yep, sure. Osisos. Osisos. Uh, caught committing one of the most blasphemous crimes Kadao could conceive of. Several days later, a number of perplexing tantrums thrown by Cyranos, the body father of the new princess, which Kadao's already shaky nerves found as upsetting and alarming on a personal level, as the former two catastrophes were on a larger scale. All of these added up to a solid whirlwind week, which during which Kadao barely had a chance to breathe, let alone hold his new niece for more than a minute or two the morning after she was born. Good that is God. One that is sentence. One sentence? No. There's not yeah, a, there is there is a section of ellipses, but no period. Which is it's still one sentence. And yeah. if you caught on in any of Des's hesitation, there were a lot of words that we don't know how to say. Yeah. Right. There. And that come that come at you with that much introduction. Just hey, this stuff happened. The whole first chapter is just like it's just solid blocks of text of info dumping. And like, mm-hmm. I don't have any context. I don't know who's talking. I don't give a shit about any of this. And it's just like, I, that was my very first comment is like, this info dump is the worst. And I don't know what you're telling me. It's mm-hmm. so much tell and no show. There's zero show in this book. There's a specific example of telling that I really, it, I have a specific note about it. But before we get there, Let's parse some of the things that um, Des read about. So, Because all of that really matters, it turns out. All of it (laughs) apparently matters. So um, the the first chapter dumps us in this world where Prince Kadao is relieved because his sister, Zahila, is the sultan and gave birth to a daughter, Ein. Ein? I don't know. Ein. I said Ein. I think hers is Zaliha, though. Zaliha? Yeah, Z- not Zahila. E- no, Z E L I H A. Oh, my Which, bad. It truly doesn't matter because I just said like Zamina. Um, but that's how it's <laughs> spelled. So I think it's Zaliha. <laughs> okay. So Zaliha. Um Kadao is relieved on two fronts. One, he was very concerned for his sister while she was pregnant for some reason. We don't get an answer to why. Like she's going to die or something? 
Yeah. And and he also doesn't want to be king. So this birth of his niece puts him further away from the throne, which he's ecstatic about. This other information that we get, because he's stepping in for his sister, who is convalescing after birth, there's a lot of it. So we're introduced to the princess's father, whose name is Cyrano's. Body father. He's referred to as a body father. And it's not giving anything away, but we learn that in this country or in this place that there are body fathers, law fathers, and love fathers. And that even though you might have sired a child, you don't have any claim on them unless you are granted a claim. And then you become a law father of somebody. But even if you're granted that claim, uncles, like blood relation uh, relatives have a higher claim, even in spite of that. And I wondered how that would work in terms of like, what are you claiming because yeah, I, I like the concept, right? The child yeah, is the mother's. The yeah, love that mothers so much. Only, yes. Right. But they don't really talk about like claims. I mean, I, I could see a future or a, a scenario where the mother has a child, they have a body father, and then the mother dies. And so they would probably go to their blood relatives first before the body father. But I, I didn't know in what other context that would be important. And I wish that we got a little bit more of an example of how that would be important in a royal family, but we don't. Because they really specified that later um, with one of our antagonists. but Well, it, they harp on it, too, specifically yeah. with Cyrano. Um, anyway. Because <laughs> that man just can't get it. He's been told a hundred times. I think he gets it. I think he gets <laughs> it. He just doesn't want to get it. Well, no. Because yeah. no. he, like talks about it he's like uh, my daughter or whatever he's like i just don't understand your language <laughs> i don't understand why you're still here but okay <laughs> i know for the record it doesn't seem like he knows why he's still there either but that's neither here nor there what a nothing burger of a character anyway <laughs> the other things that des called out and we get a little bit more detail my note here is that we get a lot of detail on things going on in the country and i don't know if any of it's relevant so i literally didn't write it down until i got through the book and i was like okay We should introduce to our listeners the important things here. And there's two important things. One, there's the case of Azuda Melacrinos. She is from the same country as Cyrano's, which is Oisos something. But she's been accused of counterfeiting. And then a separate case of somebody has broken into the ship building guild's headquarters. And that's like never been done before. The counterfeiting is a very specifically egregious crime to Kadao and the people there because the what I maybe you guys can provide some clarity. He and his sister, and also potentially anyone who's from this area, have something called gold touch. Is that what we called it? Is it? Um, it's touch tasting. Touch, touch tasting. tasting. But his sister doesn't have it. Right. No, I thought she Kadao was exhausted has. from having to touch things. No, she's exhausted from being a mom in the Sultan. Hmm. That's fair. Yeah. But basically but what, the, what, the, mm. what the touch tasting allows you to do is understand kind of intuitively the con or the makeup of metal objects in particular. So they can, in this case, touch coins and know if they are predominantly gold or if they are a mix of other metals, for example. The reason that that's important and it's not giving anything away here is that their country has is is famous world famous for having a currency that's never been debased and for those of you who couldn't give a flying fuck about economics or 
like the Federal Reserve or anything. Then this book's like that. not for you. <laughs> this book isn't for you. But essentially, what it means is their currency is like more respectable, right? So it's like I'm not going to go into like cryptocurrency as an example but bitcoin is the most respectable quote-unquote cryptocurrency like that's a good example of that you can give yeah. the example of um my coin is worth a horse and you can only no buy three quarters we're not do- we're not doing the economy of it all horses. i can't with that conversation <laughs> no, no. that conversation made that. me so angry i was like no why is it 15 pages on like no one cares except for apparently the love interest which whatever what is it? Spice and Wolf? I didn't sign up for oh this Oh my shit. god, yes. I said that same time. I was like, it's definitely Spice and Wolf. The economy of it all. <laughs> the economy of it all. <laughs> yeah, so fair warning, listeners. There's a lot of that in this book. It is definitely, like, we've read books in the past that are, like, a new adult fantasy emphasis on the fantasy part. This is new adult fantasy emphasis on the geopolitical intrigue part that <laughs> isn't in that category at all. <laughs> yeah, like, if any of you, um, before we knew J.K. Rowling was a shit burger. I got excited about her adult novel and realized that it was just politics. That's what this was. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, that is, it felt like a bait and switch. Like this was the TikTok shared with me that this was a spicy, like male to male gay romance. And I was like, yeah, here for it. It's really a lot of economy with some like flirting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not even good flirting. No, no it's terrible. <laughs> Anyway, back to the story. Mm -hmm. After the sultan is feeling well enough, she declares that she and her family should go hunting to give them a much-needed break from ruling the kingdom or something like that. (laughs) They describe here kind of where the palace is in relation to the city. It's, It's on a plateau that legend says was raised up specifically by mages, so it's like this kind of... Just picture a square in the middle of a field, right? And the palace is on top of it. And there's like a forest and a city around it. But they have to go off of the plateau to go hunting. That's not really important. But anyway, (laughs) they're in a bunch of tents before the hunt. And Kadao talks to his sister, the sultan. They, They talk about the counterfeit coins and about like the interrogation and stuff like that. And this is where we learn about the, t- the touch tasting. So we learn that Kadao is one, and he can intuit the makeup of metal objects by touching them. He touches one of the counterfeit coins, and he can feel the heaviness of the extra iron kicking the ratio of gold out of whack. Um, so as mentioned, for their country, which is Arasti, the reputation of their coinage is paramount, and it's like something they hold very dear. One of the things that Kadao's third-person limited perspective here talks about is how much anxiety and fear just generally he has we mentioned at this at the top that he was fearful for his sister while she was with child and giving birth but he's also fearful of his position and it feels very much like he's a little bit untethered there's this quote here that says being a prince often felt like he was seated on the back of a ferocious wild horse that could bite or trample anyone around him who didn't have a horse of their own. He had to be careful of it and aware of it at all times, lest it yank the reins out of his hands and buck him out of a solid seat. And he waxes poetic about that for like 40 pages. <laughs> I liked that line when we got to that because I, I thought too. that was a great description of like what it must feel to be royalty. And later he talks about where like, if you're the spare, if you're the prince, you just have to be good enough because there's really nothing to aspire to but it was the 
I'm just going to keep whining about it for 500 <laughs> pages of it all that I just. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I get behind. I really liked the way that it was described. And I think that that feeling of anxiety is definitely something that I can understand as a character. Like I, I can see how that would be really frustrating and difficult to live within those confines of like, I don't know who to trust. If I trust too much, like someone's going to get hurt. If I don't trust enough, someone's going to get hurt. If I say the wrong thing, things can go wrong. But it continued to be such a aggressive and egregious source of anxiety for the for this character that like it fundamentally made him difficult to appreciate. Right. Yeah. So part of the way that he waxes poetically about this is that we get a lot of tell and backstory and we get so much tell that I lost the thread of why the fuck we were talking about this. So <laughs> the exposition that we got we get is basically backstory between the Sultan's baby daddy, Kadao, and one of Kadao's guards slash former lovers. So Cyranos being the baby daddy of the Sultan, yes. Kadao, and then Tadic, which is the love and love what did you what, what what did you use? He's he's a guard and former love and, former love interest. interest. Yeah, got yeah. it. And my note for this is that I I really wish that we had just seen this play out because reading about him thinking about what happened was exhausting and disorienting when you consider that we're in the first 30 pages of the book. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't even know. I haven't even really internalized that this country is called Arasti yet or who half these characters are. So I, I kind of lost the thread. But essentially, <laughs> the the gist of this is that on the night that the princess, Kadao's niece, was born, the sultan asked him to basically handle things. And so he needed to go into official places and do official things. And Cyrano, the baby daddy, essentially accuses Kadao of meddling and trying to overthrow his sister while he's doing that. Um, Kadao didn't tell his sister about this. But he did confide in Tadic, who proceeded to find him, quote, loyal followers. So basically people who, like, if if this was a West Side story, would be in the sharks with him. And so that was a very boiled down version of this. But literally that took like 20 pages and it was exhausting to read. And <laughs> I was just going to say, and that accusation is the supposed traumatic event that spirals all of Kadao's possibility to act like a human being. Well, I think it, it likely had been happening before this. Like he just seems like someone who is an anxious individual by by nature. But it but it distinctly says that it got worse after that. Like that's yeah. when Tadak found him in like panic attack mode where before he was just kind of quiet. Yeah, that's fair. And like now he's like has severe anxiety disorder. <laughs> well I think he no he had had episodes of panic attacks because that's how he and Tadic got close because oh, Tadic yeah. knew how to talk him back from panic attacks and even though he became cagier after this event like he's a mess of a person <laughs> like he's such a mess just yeah. in general so after all of this backstory Cyrano joins Kadao and Zahila and Zaliha, sorry. Whatever. It does the, yeah, Sultan, it the Sultan. The Sultan and Kadao. And <laughs> the Sultan's like, great, now that you're here, you guys can get the fuck out of my tent and go hunting. And so she sends them off hunting. And since she just had a baby, she doesn't go with them. Even though she orchestrated this whole family fun day. 
Well, I right, think she orchestrated it on purpose. No, she did. It's just funny that she's like, no one wants to be here. Go, go. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I've been to those family events, actually. <laughs> yeah. I also think it's funny that, like, Kadao does not strike me as the type of human that would actually enjoy hunting at all. No. No. Like, if we're talking about hobbies, he'd much, he's an indoor cat. Well, yeah. he does embroidery, which definitely fits his, that works for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so during the hunt, Kadao goes for a doe, and it's really unclear what happens here, but something happens and he falls off of his horse. We're led to believe that somehow Cyrano body-checked him and pushed him off, but this kerfuffle causes Kadao's followers to start a fight and end up killing some people before Kadao can like call them back and de-escalate the situation. This results, obviously, in the sultan being very mad and in a tough position, right? So her her body father and her brother essentially got in a fight and killed some folks. And so beyond the fact that there's, like, potential infighting or the observation of infighting, these loyal servants of the palace died. Um, and, you know, a couple of characters mention later on that it, they essentially died for no reason. It was a misunderstanding. Nobody was really in any danger, and it was all just a big kerfuffle. Do we ever find out what actually happened there? No. No. Okay. Because I was like, this accident has repercussions for the remainder of the book, and I thought there was going to be something more sinister there, and it's just like we never come back to it. It's like, was it an accident? Was he planning something? Is Tadic just, like, hallucinating? Like, I, what the fuck happened? And I don't understand how you go from, like, a prince falling off his horse to people are dead. Yeah. So the way that it's described in the book is that Tadic, his, like, head guard, saw Kadao fall off of his horse, jumped to the <laughs> insane conclusion that he was dead. Leapt off a cliff. Right. Well, he thought he was dead because he said he saw and he thought he th- he thought he saw a knife in Cyrano's hand. Yes. Yes. So that's why I, I think that Cyrano did body check him yes. and like push him off the horse. Yeah. I agree but with that. But like, I do agree with that. But I was just like, what? why? Why are we here? And then like for all the guards, I just ugh, I hate it. I know. Yep. <laughs> so what this results in is that the the Sultan's in a in a tough position. But she eventually determines that Cyrano will be confined to the royal residence on house arrest, essentially. But it'll it'll be kind of couched as like a privilege. So think of the palace as having concentric rings. And the further you go to the, to the center, the more exclusive the access, the more luxurious the amenities. And that's where the royal family lives. So he's confined to like the smallest area of the palace. One, so that she can keep an eye on him. Two, um, it, it's a way to punish him without making it seem like she is. Kadao will remain at the palace rather than exile because she t- he talks his sister into not exiling him because that'll be a bad look. And I'm like, that seems like kind of a bad reaction. <laughs> and Tadic, the guard, will be demoted, um, kicked out of the corps, court-martialed, unless Kadao agrees to take him into his personal house. And essentially his what is effectively a military career is over and Kadao has to pay for him and care for him out of his own household budget. The other side of this is that Kadao and Tadek will be paired with a newer, more mature guard so that the Sultan can keep an eye on him and this new guard can act as a good example. 
Mature is not the word. We mature, yeah, mature <laughs> in demeanor, not mature in age. Yo, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, mature in age because she originally pairs him up with uh, Eozina, but yeah. they it. they do a one line fixer fixer where like, well, Eozina is kind of like the main lady, she busy. and so <laughs> she's got to have like a a secondary, and that's, that's where we get the other guy. Because I was just like, that guy is. As we find out, brand fucking new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so speaking of being brand fucking new, at this point in the book, I have no idea how Kadao is. And I find his state of mind, like the constant anxiety and just like the the self-doubt and the fear really annoying. I don't understand why he has so much fear built up in him. And it, it almost, I, I mean, it is a really clear depiction of mental illness. I get that. It is. But this guy's literally afraid of his own shadow. And I did appreciate the, like, it is a very good depiction of like anxiety disorders and I, I, so the thing that I didn't, that didn't jive with me as somebody who is, does not have general dis- anxiety disorder, but does have anxiety about living life, but, but my anxiety is based in reality, right? So, hey, if I don't do X, Y, Z thing, then people are going to get like upset because I'm holding them up or whatever. Or, hey, if I don't eat the right thing, then I'm going to be sabotaging my own like health and workout problem, like those types of things. Kadao's anxiety is everybody hates me and I'm ugly. <laughs> like so, it's just I, I will say that like as someone who does have generalized anxiety disorder and I do fall into like symptoms of my anxiety are like all my friends hate me and everyone thinks I'm stupid. We don't for the record. Uh, yeah, yeah, we okay. can we don't. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, as someone who does have general anxiety disorder, I take medication for it. I've gone to therapy for it. And even though I have these intrusive thoughts of like everyone hates me and they think I'm stupid. I still know how to like talk to people and I don't break down at like I have coping skills. And here's my an thing. Adult. There are people out there who don't and there are people out there who really struggle and they have yeah. a hard time finding their people. That's what drugs are for. Yeah, one, I don't drugs don't necessarily. He actually does talk at some point about drugs that he tries to take. for No, his not his drugs. I mean, prescription oh. drugs for people who function in the world. Got it. Yes. My, <laughs> not my, heroin. <laughs> which is or opium (laughs) jesus um my point being that like there are people out there who really do struggle with this and that that is a very difficult thing and so this could have been a really beautiful story about someone who struggles to love themselves and how the love interest helps them find themselves and find the love within them and find the calm within their storm that's not this (laughs) none of that happens (laughs) this is super not this and that's what's so frustrating is like this character is really frustrating and had the opportunity for a really great growth arc because that's the stories we love to read about. And like, there are those people who are always going to exist in a place of anxiety where they are, they're going to struggle to function in society that happens, but that doesn't mean that from a story point, we don't want to see the main character succeed at something. And these characters never really succeed at any real meaningful thing. Yeah. No, they don't even succeed at meaningless things. They just float about. whining and complaining (laughs) life happens to them life happens to them yes so it's also at this point in the book where we get some i'm going to use the term distracting purely because i have a ham-fisted american brain and i literally (laughs) thought both my kindle and my kindle app on my phone were broken but this is where we get the sir and sem pronouns um in relation to non-binary folks which i love that concept it just was not immediately obvious and very distracting but this is primarily in respect to 
specific individuals in the Kaya. So the Kaya is essentially an all-purpose palace guard. So they do the the fighting and the guarding stuff, but they also do things like a valet would, and they could cook and they can mend clothes and a lot of other things like that. But one particular Kaya in Kadao's service is named Melik, and they are non-binary, and so they're referred to as Sem and Ser. Anyway, that entirety was chapter one, and now... <laughs> We're in chapter two. We are so, 45 minutes into our go. recording. And yes, I know we chatted for a minute, but like, Jesus Christ. Oh my God. First chapter. It also <laughs> took me probably 45 minutes to read chapter one because yeah. my brain kept shutting down. and was like, what is happening? Speaking of what's happening, chapter two begins and I find myself fumbling even more with the world because the author introduces all of this stuff. So we're introduced to a concept of of a Tegridem afternoon. What is that? Is it a holiday? Is it a day of the week? I really wish that I had like the secret decoder ring that would let me understand this without trying to fumble through this book in the way that I had to. Plot twist, Tegridem is a day and not all of them, but we get Ikink and Tornink and Tegridem. <laughs> anyway, that's just a, a, one example of like what made this book so difficult to read because I just, it wasn't intuitive for me. Yeah, I, that's the thing is like, we are fast readers. It's one of the reasons we're able to publish weekly, every other week for our Patreons, every other week for our, at the end of the day, we're publishing four books, basically a month. The reason we're able to do that is we're fast readers. Mm -hmm. All three of us struggled in a very massive way with this book. And it's because there's just so much tell with no real information. And we're just drug along through this like world with no I was gonna say no map but quite literally no map <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, there's something to be said for a, a well-written unlikable character yeah um like those anti-heroes or realistic characters that like you're just kind of a bitch but I'm here for it he our main character whose name I Kadao, thank you. I was like, ah, it's gone. Um, he is so unlikable that it's not like I I didn't even have anything invested in seeing a character arc with him. Yeah. Yeah. I every Relatable. every third note I have is like, shut up. You're a prince, straighten <laughs> your shoulders, stand up straight, shut the fuck up. God, because, he's a child. <laughs> because that's because that's the other thing. He is a prince. He has been raised by tutors and like through his entire life to be a prince. He is in his 20s, presumably. So he's had 20 years of being told, like, how to, like, how to do this. And he still seems to have no grasp on it. And mm -hmm. I can't figure out if that is just, like, fundamentally he is not ever going to get it because that is just who he is as a person. Or if it's a writing flaw. Well, but we see examples later where he does, like act like a prince it's just inconsistent yeah and based switch. on nothing like it yeah. is like random yeah mm -hmm. that's fair so it's like he, he can do it but so do it <laughs> so do it i we do get an age but i i didn't write down who it was for it's either kadao or evmir it's evmir one of who's 27 yeah yeah okay i was like ah, one of them's 27 <laughs> so speaking of we meet Evmir and his mother, and they're both praying at a 
shrine for Evmir's trials to be easy ones. We learn that he's going into an examination period for the Kaya, and he's hoping to get, you know, bumped up to the next level. After his exams are done, he feels good about them, and he's immediately summoned to Eozina, who is described as being a formidable woman, and she's basically the, the top Kaya in the entire palace. And this is the woman, if you remember from our past conversation, that was assigned to Kadao. She's the older, more mature, good example <laughs> Kaya that is supposed to keep him and his household in line. So Eozina tells Evamir about his new assignment, and he is not happy. He is effectively Kadao's babysitter, and he understands that. He was initially enamored of the prince, thunderstruck to be precise, and that that happened um, the night of the break-in of the shipbuilding guild, and it, it the prince Kadao left a very positive impression on Evmir, but with the accident that happened on the hunting trip, his impression of the prince has considerably soured. This is where we get the perspective that those two Kaya essentially died for no reason, and this makes Evmir very angry. It feels to him like the prince deceived him. He was this shining beacon on a hill, and really he's just flighty and can't be bothered. And that feeling seems to be shared from most of the other Kaya as well. Like, mm-hmm. um, Kadao is kind of just, while he's not physically exiled, he is definitely socially exiled. Yeah, he's he kind of becomes kind of a social pariah. Yeah, like his guards um, stand guard, of course, but they don't greet him, they don't look at him, or they glare at him. No one really wants him around, which fair doesn't help his anxiety, but also shut the fuck up. I appreciate that he went. I don't know if we're there yet. Maybe it's better for me to let you go and then I'll say my thing. I appreciate the fact that he got dressed the next day, went out and tried to like show proper face. So like he was wearing morning clothes. He was wearing the morning hairstyle and like morning as in morning. Someone's passing that morning as in good morning. Um, and, like, tried to, like, interact with people and, like, move forward. It's, I think he knew that he was going to meet resistance. I don't think he expected it to be as bad as it was. But I think the fact that he did try to, like, put himself out there, knowing that he was going to have a rough time with it, is admirable in its own right. So I thought that when he was getting dressed and decided to wear morning clothes. But then we get... Um, we haven't really mentioned this, but we get third person limited that switches between Evmir and Kadao, which I hate. And I so confusing. It's not clear. It's no, it's mm-hmm. random switches in like the middle of conversations yeah. or there'll be like chapter sections. It's stupid. But through Evmir's internal monologue uh, or through a conversation, he asks Kadao how long he's planning to be in mourning. And he says seven days. And apparently seven days is the amount of mourning for like a child or a parent. So Evmir has this thought that even though he's really angry about these guards that lost their life, it looks performative. And that I was yeah. like, okay, you kind of, I wonder if it, how much of it is performative or if he truly just doesn't understand what is appropriate. Like if, is he trying to be performative or is he overachieving? This doesn't matter, but it's five days. Okay. Whatever. But it was too long. <laughs> yeah. It does matter. Thank you. <laughs> I, I think we do get clarity later on that Kadao does care that he was the cause of these people's death, but it is annoying and also disingenuous, it seems, for him to kind of gild the lily in that way. Like, yeah. you're not going to sit, sit here and convince me that he, a prince, doesn't know the appropriate amount of time to mourn 
and is setting himself up for failure, right? For people to say, okay, well, you're just, you're just putting it on now. Yeah. And I think that's what bothered me because he does genuinely care, but like you said, he, he should know. So then yeah. are you just performing to make up for this mistake you made? Well, like, you're not performing also, like, the morning, but are you performing the length of time? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he, he wants to show, I think he cares and wants to show that. But I think it's one of those things where like when someone's mad at you, it kind of doesn't really matter what you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. To be yeah. fair, he also gives up the morning pretty quick. I don't think he makes it five days. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, like the deaths of these Kaya is is a big fixture for like the first chi- five chapters and then it goes away. We, like, I never, don't know what happens with never that. Th- yeah. Think about them again. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that are re- revealed in Evamir's Evan- internal monologue. The first is that he knows about Tadek and the prince's relationship. Apparently the whole garrison does because Kaya are notorious gossips, which I thought was very funny. I did think I loved that. <laughs> yeah. And Evamir has a very low opinion of Tadek because he's a flirt and a gossip. And that kind of is extrapolated to the prince on top of the prince being responsible for his friend's death. And... <laughs> Evamir thinks that he is, but he's not very good at hiding his state of mind or his emotions or his opinions, despite the fact that, like, he's trying to be a stonewalled, like, soldier. And <laughs> I didn't I didn't know if this was specific to Kadao, like, being kind of empathic a little bit, or if Evamir just really didn't have a poker face. Did you guys have a, a perspective on what which one it might be? I, I thought it was somewhere kind of in the middle where, like... I think that Evermere's lack of a personality was intuited to Kadao as he hates me. Mm. Well, he does hate him. Well, so, yes, but, like, I did not get the feeling that, like, the feeling was visceral from Evermere. I got the impression that, like, yeah, he didn't like him, but, like, he was serving his, you know, the Sultan. Like, he was, it's fine. And so I think the fact that he was just really stoic and... Kadao uh, had been used to interacting with someone like Tadic, who is very, as we find out, uh, wears his heart on his sleeve situation. I think he might be overcorrecting because Evermere is so quiet. I think Evermere does actually hate him, though. Yeah. At the start of the book. Yes. Okay. Yes, he does. Yeah. yeah. But um, I don't think he's like letting it show in any sort of like, I think he's just being stoic and like he's a stoic person. And so it's like, is he stoic because he hates him or is he stoic because he's a stoic person? Right. And so in the lack of a story, Kadao is putting his own story on that campus. Correct. Yeah. That's how I yeah, intuited okay. that situation. I read it um, the other way you said, Katie, where like to everyone else, he does come across as pretty stoic because he's been like praised for being pretty flat and stoic. But I intuited that Kadao was more empathic um, and was more aware of like his body language, like the glaring, the tension in his body, the like, I'm just going to sit in the corner and not actually offer help or I'm going to be aggressive when I'm dressing you or doing your hair or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could easily go either way. It's not very clear, but I read it like Kadao was more empathic in like, th- yeah. you hate me and I know you hate me. <laughs> I also read it as a little bit more empathic just because of the way that Kadao reacts to certain other characters as well. Mm-hmm. But regardless, Kadao sees that Evanmir is angry with him. Um, and it's not just Evanmir, like we said earlier. It's all of the Kaya, except for Tadek, basically. They're angry with him for 
not punishing Tadic and for the prince begging for mercy for Tadic and for killing the other two through that accident. And his entire morning is filled with just being shot down. So he goes to speak with the lead investigator about the break-in at the shipbuilding guild. And the investigator basically tells him that the investigation's over and that they have nothing. And Prince Kadao is very off-put by this. His instinct is to push back and ask why and see the notes and all of that. But he doesn't because he's filled with anxiety and second-guessing himself. But in this exchange, we learn that the secret that's housed in that guild house is incredibly valuable because it is the information on how to cross the Sea of Serpents during the six weeks of summertime when the beasts are active. Because Arasti are the only people who have this secret, they have a six-week effective monopoly on trade during that time. And we are to assume that whoever broke into the shipbuilding guild headquarters was looking for that. Which also would have been helpful to have a map because I have no sense of... How big this sea is, what it connects to. Right. Because there's other seas mentioned too, and I don't know where those are. Nope. In this context, it seems like the investigator is closing the case so he doesn't have to deal with the prince anymore as a product of the accident. We find out later that that's not the case, but this this is just the first in a series of meetings that goes similarly. The prince is very clearly a pariah now, and he becomes more and more withdrawn as the day goes by, and... This reaction rankles Evamir to no end. He's like, you're a prince. You should stand up straight. Like, don't let people talk to you like that. And I thought that that was really funny that Evamir, even though he hates the prince, is like, no, come on. What What are you doing? <laughs> you're a prince. Don't take this yeah. shit. So back in his room, Kadao struggles with anxiety. Kadao sends Evamir away to, to fetch Eozina. And Kadao confides in her about the closing of the investigation, thinks that it's odd. And she agrees and thinks that they should review the files. And so she's going to order them to be sent up for her on Kadao's orders. And then they're going to review them together. But she basically says, I'm going to do this. And I need you to nod your head and say yes, because I can't do it without your permission. And kind of bullies him into doing the thing that he originally wanted to do when he met the investigator. I loved that. I really like her. She's great. She, yeah, I she's do too. wonderful. In this conversation... Kadao asks Eozina about Tadic and why he hasn't come. And she says, well, he's not part of the Kaya anymore. And so he needs a royal decree to enter this part of the palace. And you haven't summoned him yet. So that's why he's not here. He literally is not allowed. <laughs> right. And even though the prince really wants to and is tempted to summon Tadic, he doesn't because he's afraid of the specter of other people's disdain, essentially. He doesn't want people to see him as weak or to suspect or fuel the fires of them being romantically engaged, even though they are. So instead of sending for him, he goes for a walk and ends up in front of a shrine within the palace gardens. I have something that I really have to talk about here because it's a throwaway line, but I would really like to dive in and have literally any more information about this. Did you guys... Okay. Catch this part. The boating accident that had killed his parents when he was 10 years old had taken a great many of the young people who should have grown to be Kadao's peers and friends. The yes. what? Right, like, yeah. Was it the Titanic? And why wasn't he on? Was he on the boat? Like, he right. or his sister. They just took a bunch of their friends on a, like, right. a voyage and they left their why kids Why were all those kids on a boat? Well, they, they took the kids and left their friends at home. <laughs> yeah. And then they all died. We right. never hear of that again. No. And I have so many questions because, like, quite respectfully, what the fuck? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I read that line and I had the same questions and then I immediately forgot. And like he has grandparents that are alive that we also never see. Correct. No, they're just around. And they reference that sometimes. They're like, yeah, we still got family, you know, the grandparents. And I'm like, where are they? Do you keep them in the dungeons? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They talk about my only family are my sister and my grandparents. I'm like, you've never mentioned never, them? Ever. No. Why weren't they on the boat? <laughs> Who's to say? There's no way to know. So at the shrine, Cyrano is there and he's praying. And Evamir immediately sees that something is off, even before he clocks Kadao's reaction. He describes, Evamir in his internal monologue, describes Cyrano as someone rich enough to afford nice things, but either too stupid or obstinate, obstinate to do it well. So he calls out that, like, he has nice clothes, but, like, it's not in the right fashion. And, like, he doesn't have his ears pierced and his hair is short. And, like, all of those things are kind of a faux pas if you're, like, really royalty or rich in society and erasty which i thought was funny he was just like reading this guy for filth in his own mind <laughs> i did i did really like his internal monologue and how sassy he was with those thoughts about others yeah so cyrano says that it's fine for katao to join him and he prods him about the investigation which is sus well he won't let him pray like, no, Kadosh, there's like motions to this prayer. It's like a whole sequence. And he's Kadosh trying to do it. And Cyrano just keeps interrupting him. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's not like it's not like, oh, we're having a conversation that continues. He'll stop. Let Kadosh start praying again and then be like, and also this other thing. And it's like, and why? Other thing. What? <laughs> yeah. This is the conversation that we learn about the love, law and body fathers. And not only do I love that idea in and of itself but it's also a huge benefit for the royal family to be matriarchal because they can just make their own heirs and fuck everybody else which i love yeah but beyond this cyrano is disrespectful both toward evamir and kadao but then also kadao's mother his dead mother yeah <laughs> on a boat accident yeah <laughs> apparently there are rumors that kadao's mother had him by somebody else that's not his father um Neither confirmed nor denied because she died on a boat. So, <laughs> And also, like, it doesn't come up again. Doesn't nope, doesn't come up ever again. Yeah. When they leave, Kadao asks Evamir if he has any questions about that. And Evamir is just stoically, like, silent. But after this entire interaction, I have no idea why the Sultan would choose this man to stick. Okay, one, fine. Maybe you had a one-night thing and he was hot and he was, like, gracious and whatever. But he's clearly a bully, and he is. I, I, there's no redeeming quality about him. I don't know why she keeps him around. Uh, it, it's not even like there's any like trade ties or like political gain by being, nope, the body father of this child. Like I don't understand his presence in anyone's life. Mm-hmm. Well, and she, the Sultan, even makes a comment to Kadao. I think this was earlier. Like, I should have fucked around with other guys to add confusion as to who the body father was mm. but she's still keeping him around so i'm like he has no ties like he can just leave yeah because why wasn't he exiled like she's clearly keeping him right and that's that's one of the things like in 
in in the part of the book where Evamir was assigned to Kadao, he did a lot of juxtapositioning with Kadao and his sister. And he's like, you know, his sister is just like just and a really great leader. And I'm like, no, his sister has anger issues. Like, I don't understand that. Like, maybe she's a good leader. Fine. But she's making some bad choices here. She's also kind of bipolar. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, when they get back to Kadao's room, Kadao guzzles some wine on an empty stomach. He is thoroughly depressed because he can't even bring himself to eat. And he mentally berates himself for that, too. Um, that cycle was relatable to me. Yes. And in, in this cycle, he finally sends for Tadek and tells the messenger to run with this message and to tell Tadek to run back, which is a very obvious thing for people to see. And so that kind of causes a kerfuffle. Why to be way to be conspicuous. Right. But Tadek shows up and... Kadao like doesn't really have anything for him to do so Evamir's like great you can come help me change the bed sheets <laughs> <laughs> like yeah well make yourself useful um and then before they before Kadao goes to bed they he and Tadak finally talk and Tadak thanks him for saving his life um Kadao relents to Tadak's flirting and lets him stay with him that evening even though he knows it's a bad idea for some reason People seem to think it's a bad idea, but it's not because of the gay stuff. I think it's because it's one of his Kaya and not, it's kind of like bad form to sleep with your Kaya. Well, also I get the impression <laughs> that not very many people like Tadic. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also like, yeah, it's him. Like he's not trustworthy. He's flighty. He's a flirt. Because mm-hmm. even later, um, the commander says like, it's not like, there's no rule against you getting involved with your Kaya. Which... But maybe don't. That feels yeah. real easy. Like, that feels... <laughs> I know. Like, mm. but there's some other things that we'll talk about later. Like, you know, the difference between divorce and annulment and what the fuck the, oh, the line is. Are, my oh, God. my but God. we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> so Tadek stays over and it's a closed door scene, which is very disappointing. It's um, so disappointing. But Evamir is actually is standing guard. But he says this thing that's like, they don't even have the decency to be loud about it. So he can like... <laughs> mentally block it out they just make like these muffled sounds every once in a while that make his like spidey senses tingle because he thinks somebody's trying to break in and (laughs) at the end of it Tadek finally comes out because Kadao having been thoroughly fucked is now hungry and sticky (laughs) and sticky and Tadek is like basically picking over the plates of food and Evamir asks do you think his highness wants you to advertise their relationship and Tadek says I think his highness doesn't want to go to bed sticky. (laughs) Tadic is a catty bitch and I love it. Yeah. So for a while, I didn't know how I felt about Tadic. Like, I I thought he was a bad guy for a long time. Yeah. Um, But I really like his one-liners. And as we, as his relationship morphs, I was like, all right, you're cool. You're just this sassy bitch. Yes. So in the morning... Eozina comes to see Kadao, and Kadao is violently hungover, and it's very clear that Tedek spent the night, spent the night, and Kadao really regrets it. In this conversation, Eozina warns Kadao to be careful that Tadek probably wants different things now since his career is over, and he just needs to be aware of that. And she says this line. <laughs> You sure made a decision, huh? There was a decision to be made, and you really just made the fuck out of it. My gods. <laughs> I loved that. It was so, it was like something that like we would say to each other. Like, yep. 
Yes, it was it was such a good line. Anyway, they review the case files and it seems like the lead investigator, the guy that said that the case was closed and they don't have anything, that he that this guy is really just very meticulous. And they discovered that he had gone out somewhere the day that he started closing the investigation. And when he came back is when he decided to close the investigation. And he started scattering all of the Kaya that were on his team, basically to different projects. So it looks like something happened when he was out. He decided to close the investigation and then separate the people who were working it, working with him on it so that they didn't talk and find something fishy about that. Which is fishy in and of itself. Right. But they can't, like, just go in with that assumption so they agree to review the files and see if anything jumps out Melik comes in and this is a part of that book that i just a part of the book that i just really thought could have been edited out because Melik comes in and talks about a new schedule for him and evamir and like it's a big i don't fucking care and it's not important ever yeah well and it's it's so stupid because evamir is like that's fine whatever and then um he just comes in and changes it anyway, so the scene didn't have to happen. Well, right. and also, like, it's couched as, like, this new revolutionary idea that, like, I'm going to work from, like, midnight to noon, and you'll have noon to midnight or something like that. And, like, who cares? <sighs> Truly, who cares? And there was no reason to put that in the book as a plot point because it also doesn't even really happen, and it serves no purpose. And They're wonder, all involved yeah. all the time anyway. There's a much, there was a, I, I can only imagine there were better ways to introduce that character that wasn't through this line. Yeah. Yeah. We also learned stuff about stipends and like the Kaya and how they're supposed to, it doesn't matter. The point is that we learned that Tadic is a theater gay and I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> um, so Tadic makes himself useful he starts mending Kadao's clothes while Kadao and Aozina go over the case files which I thought was pretty funny um and they eventually rope Evamir into this as well because he's good at the maths and eventually Aozina leaves because she's got better things to do and it's just <laughs> Evamir and Kadao because Tadak has gone outside to mend in the light in this conversation Kadao th- this is where Kadao starts to be a little bit more direct in his expression of himself, because he remarks to Evamir that it was weird how Cyrano, rather than insinuating that Kadao was illegitimate, he just went right for the jugular and called his mother basically an adulteress. And he was like, that was weird, right? And Evamir's like, yeah, I would have fucking killed somebody if they talked about my mother like that. And Kadao's just like, all right, conversation over. <laughs> I, up to this point, I did like, I like Ev- Evmir's just response to him with one he just uses the word highness in like different Mm -hmm. inflections yeah i really liked that (laughs) usually repeated (laughs) words drive me crazy this i thought was really funny because later kadao was just like will you just say what you want to (laughs) say you gotta spell it out for me but i don't don't know (laughs) what highness means all the time so after the reviewing of the reports kadao spends the day doing bureaucratic stuff I guess. Eventually appoints Tadic as his secretary to make his position more respectable. And then he tries to attend court, but finds out that his sister has barred him from court and he's not allowed to come back until he's specifically invited again. And this sends Kadao into a panic attack. I have like a, an unrelated tangent that I just want to talk about for like uh, two seconds. 
Yeah. Um, do you guys remember how many comments uh, Kadao made about how he hated having the north-facing rooms? Yes. Because it yeah. was exactly too many. I don't care how many. Because he mentions it over and over and over again. And I'm like, unless your like, plot point is going to be that you change rooms. Because then, sidebar, he does eventually get a new room and he doesn't fucking like it. And he wants curtains. It's fine. <laughs> he, does. he just can't be pleased. Yeah. He just wants something to complain about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So after this rejection, Kadao starts to form a plan. He dresses in plain clothes, orders an unmarked carriage. He gets out of this carriage at the base of the the path to the palace at the bottom of this plateau and he commands only Evamir to attend him and for the others to wait. And essentially he goes drinking and gambling and he tries to pick a fight to, to feel physic to replace his mental anguish with physical pain. And I, he just goes about this in all of the wrong ways. He does get somebody to punch him, but Evamir is incredibly uncomfortable and like nips that in the bud real fast. But <laughs> this results in Evamir being like, you know, if you want to fight, like we can... I can teach you how to fight and like you can get this out of your system. And Kadal's like, okay, let's do it. And they go into an alleyway and Kadal's like, all right, teach me something. And Evamir is like, all right, so this is how you hold a fist. And then, so, yep, good. And now just punch me. Punch me as hard as you can. And Kadal, it moves so fast and punches him so hard that he lays Evamir out on the street before Evamir even knows what hit him. And he stands over him and says, who am I? Are you stupid? Who am I? <laughs> and Evamir's like, I don't, what? And Kadao's like, what is my name? And he says his like full royal title. And he's like, yeah, people have been teaching me how to kill people since I was five. But thanks for the condescension. And this character, yes, I like. I love yes. this version of Kadao. And I'm like, <laughs> I would love to see it. We do. We see glimmers of this person that I'm like, oh, my God. Yes. But like right. the mo- most of it is not that person. This, this nope. that was my favorite part of the book because yeah it, that's I, the highlight I also didn't I didn't expect it I expected him to like they're gonna have this training montage and that's mm-hmm. like he's gonna find his self-love so this was <laughs> such a great twist that like I'm just gonna punch the shit out of you because you think I can't hit someone right and then give you snark while you're lying there <laughs> like what the fuck's my name bitch <laughs> say my name say my name so then they, but, but then af- after this, like, Kadao just crawls right back into his own anxiety shell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, after Ephemir gets laid out, they go out carousing a little bit, but Kadao doesn't try to get into, into any more fights. And then they finally do go back to the palace. Over the next couple of time periods, I don't know how long this <laughs> actually takes, but Ephemir <laughs> tries to engage Kadao in chess to learn more about him because the the punch, like like it did for us, lifted up the rug and we saw this glimmer of a person and Evamir's like, hmm, that's interesting. And so through this chess example, he finds out that Kadao is much more confident in the morning, especially after he's been active. So we find out that Kadao has like really great endurance. So he'll train with Evamir and uh, Tadek out in the gardens and they'll be just so winded and totally gassed and Kadao will be like boy that was fun you want to go for a run and they'll be like what (laughs) like literally panting and sweating near passing out on the ground and he's just like (laughs) (laughs) this is fun guys but when he does this he doesn't have time to second guess himself or get in his own head and he 
plays really good chess and beats Evamir when this happens. Most times when he tries to engage him and that's not the case, Kadao is, he second guesses himself. He doesn't play very well. He's not strategic at all. It's like two different, totally people, two totally different people. They also will go out drinking pretty regularly into the town. And he talks about how Evamir remarks on how Kadao will, I didn't, I didn't get this. So Kadao will teach to university kids in the pub and they'll, they can't pay him with money, but they'll pay him with drinks. And I'm like, so are they sucking off the bartender? Like, I know. how are they paying for the drinks? I had that same question. That didn't make any sense to me. No. Unless the college, like the university students were the bartenders, but it wasn't clear. It was very confusing. Yeah. There was a line that I did really like in here where they're talking about like sometimes back to chess real quick where sometimes he wins, sometimes he loses. And Evermere at one point had to excuse himself to his room to absolutely boil with confusion. And I love that feeling because I, I can relate to like there are definitely times where I'm like, what? And I spend a lot of time just boiling over with confusion. <laughs> it is really a shame because there are so many lines, not so many, a handful of lines in this book where I was like, ooh. I like that. And and we're about to come up on one, but like the one about power, the the kind of snark about punching Evermere's lights out, like there's glimmers of like goodness here. It's just not consistent enough for me. No. Yeah. So <laughs> these lessons, these kind of impromptu lessons that he's giving to college kids for some reason, this is where we get the economics lesson on monetary policy and Evamir is just, <laughs> Evamir is enthralled and Kadao is drunk and talking about this. And wow, it's, it was a lot. It's like four or five pages of Kadao so talking about long. the economy of the world that they live in. And I was so bored. Like, I don't care and nor did I have enough information to do so. And my God, so boring. This conversation drove me crazy because... He was clearly, the author was clearly trying to set up that they're starting to like each other and get along. However, Kadao was doing this thing that I have coworkers do to me that drives me insane, where he would introduce something and say, hey, do you know about this? And Evmir would say, yes, I know what that is. And then Kadao would explain it anyway. Uh, yeah, I think that's called mansplaining. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I heard someone, I heard someone call uh, mansplaining the other day, um, correctile dysfunction. Oh my God. <laughs> That's amazing. I like, I love amazing. these little portmanteaus, like mansplaining. I I also really like he peated, like when a man repeats exactly what you he said. He peated, yes. Oh, that's yeah. good one. I haven't heard that. Mm-hmm. I get he peated a lot at work and I'm just like, does it sound better coming out of your mouth because you have a dick? Maybe I should get one of those. <laughs> well, because now it's like, it's their idea. Detachable penis. <laughs> Detachable penis. penis. I think this is <laughs> no. called a strap on. Yeah. The goddess didn't trust me with a penis and I understand that, but. <laughs> Thank you, goddess. Um, It's just, it. It, it happened like four times where, do you know this word? Yes, I know that word. I'm going to explain the word to you. And, yeah. But Evmir's like, I love this. Why? I mean, so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Being an, <laughs> having a degree in economics myself, I actually found his description of why monetary policy at its core is important because it's based on trust. And like, that was very good. I just thought that the delivery of it and the couching of it in this book as like 
a new adult fantasy was so incongruous because I, I didn't sign up to read a political drama and that's predominantly what this book turned out to be. And so I just wasn't ready to receive that bit of good writing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I didn't like it. Yeah. Which is such a bummer. So yeah. like he starts talking about it and I'm like, oh, money economy, blah, 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 blah. And like he, the story continues and we're like a couple pages in. I'm like, oh my God, I don't care about the economy of it all. I just don't. Yeah, you have to in this one, I guess. <laughs> you surely do. But nothing in the synopsis of this book implies that it is going to be a political drama. No, it implies that it's going to be some kind of like... Uh, Spicy romance. Not, film noir is not the right thing, but like gumshoe kind of thing yeah. with a side of romance, and that's not what we get. What does gumshoe mean? Like, um... Detective. Detectives, okay. but like the classic like black and white, like... Have you ever seen Pushing Daisies? Fatale. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That kind of thing. So after they stop talking about economics, <laughs> Evamir asks Kadao what happened to make him such a coward, because that's something that Kadao keeps harping on. He keeps saying, I'm a coward, both externally to others and internally to himself. And Kadao tells him that when he was five and his sister was nine, their tutors took them to a poor house and to some orphanages, and their tutors introduced them to humans that were stuck there and were not having a great time of life. And the tutors said that if they abused their power, that these people would die. And he was far too young to understand anything but the literal message. And this entire thing had altered his life. And even though looking back, he knows that and can see that, he still lets it happen to him and like control his entire life. One more thing. When the attendants died, this only confirmed his childhood fears because he used his power irresponsibly, quote unquote, and people died. Yeah, by, like, trusting Tadic with that information, and then, like, they got all riled up and made it so that when there was an incident, killing happened. Right. Did you guys intuit that, like, the conversation that he had had with his sister earlier on, where he asked her if she remembered the first tenement or whatever, and she was like, yeah, I remember you going, and you, like, were way too young? I, I'm i thinking it's the same, the same situation. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the same one, same lesson i guess it it, it's it is the same one but i didn't intuit that until later and then like going back to when the first lesson is brought up it didn't track for me i was like why'd you bring that up there and we have no context (laughs) and for me that anecdote when he's talking to his sister because she's like yeah you wouldn't let go of my sleeve and you were whining like a brat so he took you (laughs) i got that out of it i'm like cool you've just always been really needy not Mm -hmm. the like this um this matters and well, it sounds a recent thing and it sounds like his tutors sucked because they like doubled down on like yep that's it like you had a fit and therefore people will die and yeah i understand having like <laughs> sensitive children because there are i firmly believe there are some children that are more inherently prone to be emotional than others like it's just it's it takes all kinds right it, right yeah. exactly and so like i understand that like we all have these emotions and I think what we do with them and the way we are taught to handle them makes us who we are. And I feel like Kadao never Mm -hmm. really got the proper instruction on what he was supposed to do with all of his feelings. Like he got instruction on everything else, but not what to do with his feelings. So he just lets them like bottle up and bottle up and bottle up and then they spill over and then he like shoves them back in the bottle and they bottle up and bottle up and it's just this r- rinse and repeat of that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, so he literally says something to that effect. On their way home that night, they decide to go to the shipbuilding guild to do some investigating. While they're drunk. And Cadell <laughs> notices something attractive about Evamir, and he says he pushed the thought away firmly, locked it in an iron chest, <laughs> threw it into the sea. And one, I love that, that that's a little whimsical bit of writing, but it firmly is just like, he's like, I've got emotions and I don't want to deal with this, so I'm just going to throw them away. Until yep. they come back to haunt me. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So the, while they stop off at the, the shipbuilding guild, they are poking around in the scrap piles and they find the battering ram that was used to break into the premise, which means essentially that the investigator didn't try very hard or intentionally covered up the fact that the battering ram was there. Because we do get this idea that he either didn't look for the thing or covered it up. Either way, not looking for it or covering it up implies that he knows what happened, the investigator. Why didn't he destroy the thing? It's a great question. It's a large object. Throw it <laughs> just, into the ocean. They're right, on the ocean. Chuck it, right. And chuck it's it in wood. The... Burn it. <laughs> right. There's a million ways you could have done literally anything about that. Instead, you chose nothing. And you just put it back. I guess stay stupid. Yeah. I don't know. You didn't even try to cover your tracks. Like, because it's clear, we learn later that, like, it's not, he would have had to have been corrupt from the take because he didn't. He didn't order anybody to look for the battering ram at all, ever. So it's not even like he changed his mind. I would have said, hey, go look for this, like two people that I trust, and then bring it to my backyard so we can fucking burn it or something. Right. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just opening up yourself for like this kind of bullshit. And something that um, you didn't mention, which maybe you were getting to, that um, the hulls are brightly colored. And so the battering ram that they find is a mast or something but there's flecks of red paint on the end which is the mm -hmm. hull that was battered in so it's like parking next to a car hitting the car with your door and like you transfer paint and then just like and then staying there and then staying there <laughs> yeah like uh, wipe the paint off i like at least take the paint off of the thing right so point of clarification the chipped off paint was from the front door okay yes but that the point still stands they remarked this one's not painted like the rest of the ships like this paint is flaking off from the red door and it's like well yeah why did you if, if you're if you're gonna do a hit and run you gotta do both sides <laughs> right so they head back to the carriage while leaving the mast in the care of the kaya that are guarding the shipmasters guild and they're like hey wait for this we're gonna come get it later on their way back to the carriage, they're attacked by robbers. There's four of them, so two that they're both attacked by two people. They easily incapacitate Evamir. Sorry, I just forget his name sometimes. Evamir. And Kadao is being attacked and like held up and like robbed by these other two. And he sees Evamir struggling and he like switches into Super Saiyan mode <laughs> and kills three of the four robbers, like straight up cold blooded, kills them. And then has a panic attack about it, because why would you not? And Fair. so so I have this thing where, like, Evermere, like, is routinely referred to as, like, this amazing warrior specimen being. But at every instance, as we get further and further into this book, he never seems to have it together. Like, he takes on a few, but, like, he's never, he's always, like, one of the first ones to go down. Yeah. Yep. Kadao saves his life like four times in this yeah. book for things right. that he should have been able to avoid himself. Right. Yeah. I have some questions. So are you good at it or not? Right. Because right, like, I don't mean, I mean, he is apparently good at like bathing and dressing. I don't know. Just excelled <laughs> on that valet 
part. He's got that down and like nothing else. Yeah. No. Look, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. No, they Fair. So speaking of strengths and weaknesses, they go back to the palace and Kadao is like full on panic attack and asks Evamir to get Eozina. Or no, she, he doesn't ask him to get her. Evamir just goes and gets Eozina of his own accord and neither of them know what to do. It's like they've never been hugged in their entire life. <laughs> and they're just like looking at Kadao, who's curled into a ball on a couch, like can't catch his breath panicking and they're just like i don't know what to do we didn't get training for this and i'm just like jesus christ like rub his back get him some water tell him it's gonna be okay like did you never scrape your knee when you were five like <laughs> no no and even evamir makes a comment like we should have been trained in this okay okay yeah, i mean arguably yes you should have you should have and i don't know why you weren't and also like do you not have friends yeah have you never scraped your knee did no one ever comfort you right truly so Kadal begs for Tadic, and Tadic comes in and ferries him through. He immediately, like, hops on the couch next to him, pulls him into a tight embrace, and starts saying, you know, you're breathing, you're doing so well, you just have to get through it, and doing the things that you would expect a normal human being to do for somebody who's having a panic attack. And then shoes Eozina and Evermere out, and eventually Tadic, not Tadic, eventually Kadal falls asleep. He comes out and kind of debriefs with Evermere and Eozina, and Evamir asks Tadic what happened at the hunt. And Tadic basically tells him that he fucked up, that he was just trying to protect Kadao and things got out of hand. And as a product of this, Evamir is conflicted and thinks that he might have misjudged a whole lot of people in the room. <laughs> he feels like the Kadao who killed those four robbers or three robbers for Evamir is actually a leader that he can follow and that a leader he would die for. And so he's very much in this place of like being caught out internally. I did appreciate that, like, come to Jesus moment, but it was also kind of, it felt very pat, like, oh, I made assumptions and therefore I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. And it just, it was still very tell and not show. Like, there wasn't his own realization of that. He just went from being confused to taking this guy he already didn't like at his word about someone else he already didn't like. Well, and to our points earlier, like, there's no follow-up questions here, right? Like. Right. They make it seem like, oh, it was just a, a hunting accident and everybody got, you know, really testy about it. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure Cyrano pushed him out of his saddle. Like, th it doesn't all have to be like you fucked up. It could be like, hey, Cyrano, who you also don't like, is kind of a shady dude. And that was a big part of this. Yeah, like yeah. I saw something sketchy. I reacted. I may have overreacted or heightened the right. tensions leading up to it. But there's still some shit you need to pay attention to. Right, right. Well, that kind of happens throughout, like... I yeah, feel like a lot of sketchy stuff happens around Cyranos for a long time. And no one really like gives it the close attention that maybe they should. Or no one even asks a follow-up question, right? Like we hear that Cyrano is confined to the inner ring in the palace as a product of what happened on the hunt, but like we don't get any more details on how the conversation went with the Sultan. And I'm like, he, I mean, Cyrano doesn't seem cowed, none of that. And I'm just like <laughs> I mean, it takes two to tango, right? Yes. Which makes me wonder if it was even... So it, it was supposed to be a punishment for Cyranos that looked like a reward to the outside. But it seems like he thinks he was just rewarded. Yeah. Right. Well, and compound that with the, the incident in the shrine, Evamir convinces Kadao to write a report, which he hands over to Eozina. And I imagine that had to end up on the Sultan's desk, too. And it's like, why isn't he getting any of the short stick here? Like... 
you insulted Kadao's mother, who, by the way, is also the Sultan's mother. Mm-hmm. And like, that was just fine. Indec- it's indicative of this problem where like <laughs> Cyrano has like a parade of red flags around him and just like no one is yeah. acknowledging that at all. Right. Except for Kadao, who's meant to be the mentally unstable one. Right. Therefore, no one believes him or listens to him. And he well, also and stops talking right. about it. <laughs> right. Right. He's been shut down. So the next day, Kadao downplays his affliction with both Iozina and uh, Evamir, which don't do that. But then blows up at Evamir when Evamir pushes him with apologies. Like, Iozina leaves, and then Evamir's like, Kadao, I'm so sorry. Like, I should have been, blah, blah. And Kadao's like, would you stop? Like, I don't, this is, it's no big deal. Like, everything's fine. And I'm like, okay, like, could you be a little bit more gracious about that? Yeah. You did kill three people. Yeah. And you did save his life. And he's apologizing not only for, like, not doing his job appropriately, but for judging you. Like, he's really trying to bend some fences here. Mm-hmm. And you're not reciprocating. Yeah. And in that conversation, Kadao confides in E that his sister hates him and wanted him to wanted to exile him, that he had to convince her otherwise. You know, all of this stuff, this extra color around what actually happened after the hunt. And Evamir struggles com- even more to understand his own feelings for Kadao. Um, and it's it's one of those scenes that's meant to bridge the closeness between them a little bit. I don't know. I just, And it doesn't. And it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't hit yeah. the mark that I think it's aiming for. And that's yeah. that that feels consistent throughout the book. Like there are all these moments where it's supposed to be like let me back up. One of the ways that I would describe this book is like if you like a slow burn, this is glacial. Like Yeah. And it's it doesn't even really ever get there. Like it never really arrives at the port. It gets tepid. Right. The payoff isn't worth it. Right. No. So I just from that point, like there's so many moments that are written in a way of like, man, I, I could see how I can see where your head is at writing this, this thing, but it just doesn't do the thing you think it's doing. No, it's instead of a slow burn that like it eventually gets to a boiling point, right? It's like taking frozen chicken and thawing it in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Four days later. Four days later. I'm just not frozen anymore, but I'm still pretty chilly. So the next thing that we get is Iozina and Kadao going to see the investigator and asking him basically if they ever look for the battering ram and he lies to them. So Iozina arrests him and Kadao goes to inform his sister. When he gets there, it's the first time that he's seen her in weeks and it's the first time that he's seen his niece in weeks. Cyrano is there, but he graciously and uncharacteristically leaves them in privacy. Kadao holds his niece while he informs his sister about what happened and in this scene we also realized that evamir is apparently good with kids and i really hated the scene because his sister acts so normal that it's gaslighting she's just like oh hey why don't i ever see you anymore and he's like you barred me from court what did you expect and she's like oh you know i had to do that what girl you wanted to exile me like a couple weeks ago right yeah so toward the end of this conversation, Cyrano comes back, but so does Iozina. She comes up to them and she's got counterfeits in her hands and asks Kadao to confirm, and he does. And so as a product of her questioning the investigator, she finds out that he was bribed with 
suspected counterfeit money and then extrapolates that into not being able to trust anybody in the Kaya, which is problematic because there's way more Kaya than royal people. (laughs) So (laughs) she like orders all the Kaya in the garden, like to get away from the royal family because she has to like test their loyalty or something. And um, before she can kind of get to this, Kadao is like, no, I'll test Eva Mir myself and asks him to get on his knees and to cut off his hand. And before he actually gets to cutting off his hand, like Kadao stops him and says, this one's good. He's with me. And I'm like, what? Sorry, does that count as a loyalty test? Is that what we're doing? I don't know that that counts. Or should count. I don't either. Then she's mad. The general Eosiana is mad because she's like, well, now the other ones have seen that. So we can't even use that on them. And I'm like, what? I still don't think that this was a good idea to begin with. Right. What can really confuse me about this is that there's this. This is a whole dramatic scene about loyalty and that they can't trust any of the Kaya, whatever. But then they immediately have just like unnamed Kaya that are still allowed to guard them that they've never really done a loyalty test on. Well, they do the the one line fixer of like Eosina has tested these and like these are cool yeah and like yeah but that didn't happen in like an hour you know right and if you had a way to test them that they were cool and it wasn't an hour why didn't you just do that with all of them the eight in the garden that you yelled at i also don't understand where the again leaping off a cliff to a conclusion i don't understand where the thought process of Eosina from counterfeit coins to all of these guards are potentially suspects. Like, I don't understand where that came from because like this coin is in theory used throughout the entire city. So why are we suspecting the guards? Well, so I think the, the point is the counterfeit is not in the city. They, they, they busted the original counterfeiter like coming into port with a bunch of it. And so it's not being circulated because there's so many touch tasters in the city that they would know about it. So the point is that they got paid with counterfeit coins. So they're probably like not they're they're now tied to the same criminal element. That's the counterfeit ring. To your point about why did we jump off a cliff to assume that everybody in the palace is like that? I don't know, because it also very much seems like they were just kind of assuming that everybody was cool and loyal. And then like the one example that like, flew in the face of that they were just like oh we've made a terrible mistake and i'm like yeah no one is loyal and i'm like i don't (laughs) but also like how did you confirm that to begin with it was purely an assumption but no one's questioning like i don't know cyranos right right we're letting the foreign dude who's by the way from the same country as the counterfeiter that you had with the original counterfeiters like (laughs) he's just allowed to be a part of this conversation we're not questioning him ma'am fucking ma'am right so the, the royal family is basically on house arrest. They go inside the royal chambers and Eosina surrounds them with Kaya that she's confirmed are loyal. Kadao asks for Tadek as well because he knows he's loyal too, but he has to be confirmed. And so he's being questioned by some of the, the Kaya that have been deemed worthy. They are holed up into the, in the royal palace and to just basically get some space from each other, Kadao goes to, I guess there's a shrine as a part of this and... Usmim, who has been mentioned before, but he's basically like the the god of trials and tribulations. He has an altar that has um, scales on it. 
And Cadell wants to go there to see if the two counterfeits that he has, one from the original counterfeiter from the beginning of the book and the one from the stash that was found at the investigator, if they weigh the same. If they weigh the same, it's likely that they're the same batch of counterfeits. He takes uh, Tadek and Evamir with him. And of course, Cyrano comes in and is awful because who fucking invited you? He's a stalker. Why are you so obsessed with me? Why? So he comes in, is awful. Kadao and Tadek close ranks pretty effectively. And Tadek uses the same bullying techniques against Cyrano that Cyrano uses against other people. And so Tadek gets like real lewd. And Evamir and Kadao are very, very uncomfortable. But I fucking loved it. Because Tadek's like, what, do you want to make me beg for it? I will. Oh, give it to me. And Kadao's just like, (laughs) what is happening? And Evermere's like going to crawl out of his yeah. skin. <laughs> and Cyrano is stunned silent. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's how you do it. Yeah. My favorite part of this is they're all like horrified with the things that Tadic says. And it says, Cyrano gasped, I beg your pardon? Granted, Tadic said airily, you'd better beg his highness's pardon too, though. And I loved the, I beg your pardon? Granted. Granted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Evmir's like <laughs> oh my delicate sensibilities they're so appalled that Kadao is like find another way to deal with him because my sister wants me to play nice and like I, I can't do this and Tadic says this thing that I really love he says I don't know how else to explain to you that I don't care about the consequences if it means I can put myself between you and whoever and whatever arrows that man shoots at you and that's when I turned the corner about Tadic I was like Okay, I like him. That's when I turned the corner to and I was like, hey, you're a true friend. Yep. Um, he also got me with the line where they're leaving because um, Kadao and um, Evamir are like, okay, we're going to go now, Tadic. Like, let's, let's go. We're ahead. <laughs> um, so excuse us, Kato said, dragging him out. Of course, your highness, a handful, isn't he? Tadek turned back and gave him an enormous cheeky wink. My friend, I can assure you, it's much more than one handful. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, oh, you cheeky bitch. <laughs> yeah, that's a great scene. So because the counterfeits weigh the same and they intuit that they're from the same batch, this group resolved to go back to the docks to find more counterfeits and to try to figure out, like, where are they circulating? How are they circulating? Et cetera. But they tell Eosina first, and obviously she forbids Kadu from leaving the palace, and that she'll handle the, the investigation, and Evamir is charged with not letting him out of his sight. Tadic is... Kad- huh? Who? Evamir is charged with not letting Kadau out of his sight. Got it. Okay, sorry. I heard a different name, and I was like, who? Or- Wait, who? <laughs> That's how I felt like, through a I lot of this book. Yep. <laughs> to be fair. To be fair. As a part of this exchange, it's abundantly clear that Eosina loves Kadu like a son. Kadao, sorry. So Iozina loves Kadao like a son, and he loves her right back. Um, but they won't just come out and say it outright at this point. And I have in my notes, God, I hope she doesn't die. She doesn't die, guys. It's fine. I I, I have that same fear. But I was like, yes. well, now that he loves somebody, they are definitely going to die. I also thought his sister was going to die. But I there also needed, thought that. This is where I was saying they're, the, the stakes are not high enough. No. Nope. It's everyone's fine. It's like... <laughs> like a walk in the park yeah with a splinter or two yeah Kadao and evamir are they, they get their own space away from cyrano and the sultan and they have a quiet moment together and 
Evamir can tell that Kadao's kind of wound up and he's trying to figure out like what to do to prevent him from having a panic attack. And he literally asks, Tadek seemed to give you comfort last night. Like, did that help? Does touch help? Kadao is kind of taken aback and says, yes, the touch helps. But it's like a very, this is one of those moments that's sweet because Evamir is trying to figure out how to serve him better with what he needs. And Kadao is just like, what is this? Caring? (laughs) Somebody? Me? (laughs) Like a never. (laughs) So Evamir suggests that he and Kadao use, or not he, (laughs) he's just a servant. He suggests that Kadao uses the royal bathhouse as a distraction. And there, Evamir washes Kadao's hair, and Kadao washes his hair back. And they talk about the concept of duty and fealty to each other, how it's not just one way from servant to master, but from master back to servant. And that they both have a responsibility to take care of the other in the way that the other needs from them, which I thought was an interesting take on fealty. Yes. It was really sweet. It is Des has a sweet. butt. <laughs> Big butt. <sighs> I am blessed. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but whoop, there it is. <laughs> it's sweet, except for the fact that, like, they have this conversation and they both acknowledge that there's this fealty to each other. One, I don't necessarily think that I... I, I like that sentiment, but I can understand why that would lead to a lot of problems. Because if you are swearing fealty to that level in both directions, why would you not cross a line frequently? Additionally, they have this conversation and then they have it again in a different way later on, as if this conversation didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> that so, is like, it's sweet, very valid but like, point. we did this twice, guys. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. understand. I think that's a product of editing there, though, right? Like, this, there's there's some parts of this book that just could have been edited right out. But here we are. And yet. <laughs> and yet. So after bath time, um, well, okay. So as a part of that conversation, Kadao basically convinces Evamir that he needs to be allowed to actually help and do things because that's his duty to the people of the country. And Evamir buys into this. I don't understand why, but when they go back to their chambers, Evamir helps Kadao convince Eozina to let Kadao help actively in the investigation. And I just, this is such a bad idea. I just don't understand why anybody let them do that at all. Yeah. It's simply a plot device. Because their investigation requires them to go out into the city and try to go to seedy parts and figure out if there's an illegal counterfeiting ring. And that's dangerous on so many different levels. And there are other people who are responsible for doing that. Make them do it. Like, I don't know all of the Kaya. Well, we don't know if they're loyal. Well, no one knows if they're loyal because they're stupid. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, even then, like, send Evamir and Melek. Or, yeah, I mean, don't send Tadic. He's got a big fucking mouth. But, like, <laughs> you've got two at least. Right. Anyway, one night before they go out investigating, Tadic confronts Kadao about why Kadao is avoiding him and treating him differently. And they kind of fight about it. And Kadao basically says, Hey, we're never going to sleep together again, but I love you. And you're, there's always a place for you in my house. And 
Tadic basically has to work on himself a little bit in order to accept that. Which is, you know, fair. Yeah. The next time they go out investigating, they go to an incense place, which kind of struck me as like a hookah place because they were like inhaling the incense. Yeah, that confused me. I was so confused. I've never heard of incense being an inhalant before. I mean, incense is not a part of my cultural background, so maybe I'm just missing it. But when I inhale incense on accident, I get lightheaded and not in a good way. Yeah, it's not fun. Yeah, I... It, it was set up like hookah, and I was like, ah, yes, hookah. But, like, there's no, like, pipe. Straw. Straw is not the right word. <laughs> straw. Hose. The, um, hose. Hose. Got you, fam. <laughs> then they mention hashish, which, is that not similar to smoking hookah? Am I just yeah, wrong? Yeah, hashish is, like, the, the hookah. Right, so then. So it's hookah. They, that's a thing, so, but this. This is incense. They just, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, they're doing that, and <laughs> they've learned, or they, they come to this place because it's an incense place, but that also moonlights as an illegal currency exchanger. Obviously. But they don't see anything happen in the front of the store, so they go around back, and Kadao has a huge panic attack because he's thinking about the last time they were in an alleyway when he got attacked by robbers and killed three people that we're just not going to talk Fair. about ever again. Evamir tries to <laughs> calm him by, like, backing him against a wall and, like, holding him and making sure that he's okay. But as he's doing this, they're interrupted by somebody knocking at the back door of this incense place. And they don't see Kadao and Evermere. And so they're just kind of like hiding in this alcove. But this person speaks to somebody inside. And they're obviously a part of the counterfeit ring because they're talking about like recent events, the investigation getting shut down and the investigator getting um, arrested. And... At some point in their conversation, before too many details are given away, there's a sound somewhere in the alley, not Evamir and Kadao, but somewhere else, and that makes them jumpy, and the conversation ends. But crucially, the person who knocked on the door comes toward Evamir and Kadao and is like, who's there? And they have to come up with a good reason why they're lurking in an alleyway, and so Kadao orders Evamir to kiss him, and they do, and they both really enjoyed it. I want to be like, oh, it was so good, but it it wasn't. It wasn't. No. Okay, so like it, it happening was good, and I had that like, oh, but then it was blah, 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 blah. yeah. <laughs> like if this was the first, and then it like spiked in the steam, that's what I thought we were getting at. And I also just... thought we were headed in the right direction, and then, like I said, it's such a glacial pace that like. This happens, and then nothing else really happens exciting for several Ever. more chapters. I wanted yeah. it to be a little bit more, or I guess I wanted it to be a little less obvious, because it was like, hey, how many improbable things can we pile onto this one particular situation? Like, it's like the author had a very specific scene in their mind when they wrote this, and so they had to work backward in order to make that scene happen. And so that resulted in an investigation that's being conducted by royalty and his guard and they're doing the investigation. And so they go around a back alley with no backup and need to look not conspicuous. And so I definitely make out in alleyways. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just like... I'm not into this trope. I understand, like, the, the trope of, like, royalty sneaking out to do either good or bad or nefarious things or rebellious things makes sense to me. 
but you went and got like the head general's approval on this plan. And mm -hmm. she was like, yeah, you two, just you two. Yeah, no, <laughs> no problems backup. there. Right. And I was like, I don't, ugh, I don't, ugh, where, not on board. Where you were literally just mugged. Right. Yeah. Like last night. <laughs> to be fair, though, none of them know that. Or I guess Tadak knows no, that. They... Oh, that's right. It, she knows that he had a panic attack, but I don't think she knows why. Nobody knows why. It's just the two of them. Oh, okay. They know later, though, right? No, I don't think they ever know. No. Oh. It also doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It just, it felt like I just couldn't get into it. Like, I didn't believe the setting. The kiss was fine. It, it's also another space where um, Kadao does not have a consistent personality. Because he is yeah. like, this is my plan. I'm really smart. I'm going to do this. And then immediately goes back to being whiny and weird. But it, it's like they flip personalities for a second. Yeah. And they also, like, flip again later. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't, hmm. Yep. Because, so, okay, what happens is that Kadao and Evermere kiss, the guy goes by, and they're not caught. And then Kadao is immediately like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Like, I'm the worst person on the planet, I'm just going to go kill myself now. And Evermere's like, it's oh, fine. <laughs> wow. No, it's really fine. And and the other thing, too, is like, even if Evermere was a little bit like, wow, let's never do that again. The alternative is being like your cover's blown and potentially killed. Murdered. Like, yeah, it seems and, like and that's the not thing. a big deal. It's like we talk about consent a lot, and this is one where, like, fine, consent is an issue, but it's a time of survival, and him apologizing, I think, is fine too to acknowledge, like, hey, I just put you in this position, but it goes on for like twenty pages of him apologizing. Yes, and it's too and much. That's, it's too much. And that's where I'm like, okay, we got it. it you didn't have his consent. He's fine with it. He even says, if I was offended, you still saved my life. Like, if right. I was offended, I would get over it. Right. Yeah, I think that... So, can you get over it? Your point about it just going on for too long is a really good one. Because it, it does... It insists upon itself. Anyway, back at the ranch. The palace being the ranch. I was like, what ranch? <laughs> <laughs> We don't have a map. There could be a ranch anywhere here. Truly. So the Sultan summons Kadao and it, it's it's right when they get back to the palace. So they have this kiss in the alleyway and then he gets back and his sister is summoning him. So he shows up in his disguise and his sister's a bitch and laughs at him and like openly mocks him in front of and everybody. Like, <laughs> and such a for bitch. starters, it's like in the in the beginning, I was like, oh, haha, ha, like I like the teasing. But then it just continued on again for too long. Or I was like, now right. you're just being mean. Like, yeah, like stop. He clearly doesn't like it. Stop. He's clearly no, had a like, night. He's uncomfortable. <laughs> Shut your mouth. And I, I think it was trying to establish like, oh, they're still just siblings. But A, they're not because she is his ruler. Mm -hmm. And B, you're not in a good place in your relationship. And like you said, Des, he doesn't, he's not into it. No. Well, and speaking of being not in a good place, like, Kadao snaps at her and is just like, did you have something to say to me? Or like, are you just, am I just here for your amusement? And she's like, oh, sorry. It's, I was just distracted looking over this mountain of evidence of your treason. And like, oh, yeah. She says it as a joke, but like, girl, you had a conversation about exiling him. Why right. would you, and you, 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 have brought up and mentioned in passing and conversation that you know how anxious and like emotional he can be. Why would you say that? 
And I don't even see her making any decisions as far as like leadering. Right. Leadering? Leadering. Leadering. Yeah. Just, okay. Leadering. Not to be confused with littering. Because it's yeah. different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shut up. With being a leader, she doesn't, she just like floats around with her baby. <laughs> she does float around with her baby a lot. <laughs> so this this mountain of evidence is clearly forged and not true. So like it's not it's really not a big deal, but it shakes Kadao up. He gives his update and leaves, and Eozina follows them and gets the real report from both of them, and like kind of talks about the mountain of evidence and is like, yeah, your sister didn't really deliver that in the best way. I'm sorry. What happened when you guys were out there? And now that they've they they kind of get bullied into telling her what happened in the alleyway, and she kind of gives them both of the talk that like, hey. It's not immediately frowned upon, but, like, you guys should be careful about this, you know, just for appearances and stuff like that. (laughs) But she also asks Kadao to step down because he's successful. He has found another bit of information about the counterfeit ring. Yep. So now we care if you're safe. Right. Well, she only kind of cares. She still doesn't really care. Yeah. Yeah. The next morning, the Sultan invites Kadao to breakfast for the first time in forever. He asks Tadek forever. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had the make it gay. Make, make it, it gay. gay. Before he goes, <laughs> he asks Tadek to dress him and he and Tadek kind of make up a little bit in the scene, which was very cute. Kadao goes to breakfast and again Cyrano is cordial and weird. And his sister gives Kadao a painting from a foreign duke and asks what he thinks. And Kadao's like, I mean, yeah, if you're trying to pick up another lover, I guess he's fine. Like, way to brag in front of Cyrano. I don't like the guy, but it seems kind of rude. And it was painfully obvious to me from the start that he, she was not, this painting was for him. Yes, same. Yes. Yeah. Same. My note is only like, you are so dense. You're such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this Duke is going to come visit and his sister wants to set him up with it. But Kadao doesn't know that because he's thick. Because he didn't read the prologue. Right. So the next day there's a dinner and it's with the Oisos ambassadors. The, the country that Cyrano Oisos. is from. I don't know. <laughs> I just want to confirm Oisos. Oisos. It's O-I-S-S-O-S, right? Oisos. Oisos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't have a pronunciation guide, so Oisos. It's the country that Cyrano is from. But their ambassadors are there and... <laughs> He meets Cyrano's sister, who seems pleasant enough until Evamir hears her talking privately with Cyrano. He's dropping his eaves, which I was very proud of him for. But this woman is a raging psychopath. She is like physically hitting Cyrano and telling him he's stupid and is real angry that Kadao is even there, let alone alive. And it's very clear that like she has ulterior motives and Cyrano is under her thumb and a part of it in some way. Yes. This is the part where, I mean, I mentioned she really hates Kadao, and I don't know why. And we never learn why. She just hates him. Yeah. I, why? So this was an example of like, did I sign up for a geopolitical drama? No. No, I did not. I would be more here for this one if there were a little bit more depth to some of these things. Because we're given explanations and things happen, and it seems like we only see the surface level of most of these things. Yes. Yeah. So Evamir tells Kadao about this and Kadao is like 
uber gun shy, doesn't want to do anything with the information, doesn't want to tell anybody, wants Evamir to drop it, all of this stuff because of what happened with Cyrano the last time, obviously, even though it's like, I don't know, putting his country and himself in danger. And because they don't tell anybody, a couple days later, Kadao is attacked in his bed by several people who were apparently attempting to kidnap him. And as a result, he and his sister and niece retire, flee to a house. And Cyrano's. Yeah. And, okay. And Cyrano's (laughs) flee to a city, a house in the city, which is Evamir's mother's house. I don't understand why they just trust Cyrano's implicitly. I don't either. So there's a conversation they have where they're like, why is Cyrano's here? Because like, they all kind of know. And he's like, yeah, there was kind of a discussion about that, but he just sort of kept following us and no one like had the time, patience or energy to deal with that. And I'm like, right. um, guys, <laughs> that's, that's not good enough. Your guards? <laughs> right. right. It's not good enough. Leave his ass. So anyway, they're all there at Evamir's mother's house and it's very awkward, I guess. Evamir and Tadek kind of come to a truce because Tadek sees that Evamir is developing a soft spot for Kadao. And Tadek is coming more to grips with the fact that Kadao doesn't love him in the way that he wanted him to. So they kind of come to a a mutual peace there. There's this very domestic scene where in the morning Kadao wakes up, goes downstairs and starts shelling peas with Tadek and Evamir's mother because Evamir went to the market to get groceries. And in this scene, Tadek shamelessly flirts with Evamir's mother. And it's so incredibly amusing. I love her responses to where she's like, I could be your mother. You must stop. And he's like, okay, lovely. Right. And he's <laughs> like, can I make you some tea? He's like, who could blame me in the presence of such beauty? She's just like, oh, fuck. We learned that the attack on Kadao coincided with an additional attack in the dungeons where the counterfeiter ringleader, that Azuda Milikrinos person, um, was freed and escaped. So two things happened that night, and both of them were not great. Kadao is convinced that they should close the ports, not just to foreign ships, but to all ships, um, and tries to talk to his sister about that, but she reacts really poorly. She doesn't listen to him at all. She's just like, oh, yeah, I'm sure we have enough money, and I'm sure that trade being stopped for a week because you have a hunch is fine. And I'm like, again, why are you such a bitch? Truly. And it's... I think it's the smart idea to close the ports. Right. I agree. You have a villain who was broken out of the palace dungeons, who's a counterfeiter, and the like value of your currency is like your most important thing. It's like a, na- a point of national pride, and so like you don't want to do everything within your power to stop. Them? Right. Also, you're hiding out in a in a house in the city. Like, <laughs> look at your life right now. <laughs> look at your life. Look at your choices. <laughs> So that, this is where I had one of my notes where, like, because I thought the sister was going to die, I thought that that meant that, like, at least until the child was old enough to rule, that it was going to make Kadao be the, like, leader for a while. And that right. this thing that he was so afraid of would come true. But because of the lessons learned in this adventure, like, you know, trying to get his sister to trust him and her not doing it and it leading to more problems and other things that happened on this adventure that like he would be well equipped at that point through these lessons but none of that happens i had that exact same thought and that would have been such a more interesting book to read yes yes or if his sister was corrupt and was in on all of this right also be a much more interesting book yeah both of those would have been better right so iozina comes to report and we learn that the palace guards have fallen into infighting and conspiracy theories and that has made um, parsing loyalty kind of a, a little bit easier because there's some that are like, 
you know, still loyal in this chaos to the crown and some that are not. A spy also came forward and said that um, he knows where the place is where they make counterfeits. And I'm like, why didn't you bring it up earlier? (laughs) And they do this one line fixer. It's just like, well, they don't bring up things that they're not sure about. And I'm like, that's kind of the point of spying, right? You just data dump (laughs) all of the information that you might hear on a casual Tuesday. What the hell? Mm -hmm. Uh, no. <laughs> so Iazina asks Kadao and his sister for three people to accompany her to confirm this. Pinar, who is a Kaya of um, the Sultans, and then Evamir and Tadic. So that leaves Melik behind to stay watch with um, the rest of the royal family. Weirdly, in this conversation, Cyrano hears just enough to know that they found the manufacturing place and leaves the room. <laughs> Does no one have eyes on that guy? Come on, man. Like, nobody finds that. I just... Evermere even like watches him go like watches him leave and it's like that's weird yep anyway they go on this recon mission and it's like to an one of the islands in the port where there's a warehouse and they find people forging currency there and who's there it's Cyrano is anybody surprised no No. that fucking guy this book's been the one thing this book is hitting me over the head with repeatedly is that Cyrano's is a bad guy yeah. But no one else sees that. Right. Just us. <laughs> Even Cadell wasn't like, I mean, Cadell <laughs> thinks that Cyrano is a bad guy. He gets bad juju from him. But even Cadell was like, not bringing up the fact that maybe Cyrano shouldn't be a part of this conversation. Right. Even though you he has done that in the past. Been, it would have been a really great book if Cyrano was a good guy and was like, you know, there's so many other ways that this story could have been so. <laughs> interesting right yes they're discovered um while they're trying to get like this reconnaissance stuff and it was shocking shocking iazina takes an arrow to the leg but they're otherwise unscathed and when they get back iazina has a is has a doctor tending to her and then no one brings up cyrano or the fact that he was there or the fact that he knows where they currently are right now so uh, on that on that topic, one, Cyrano sees Evermere. Like, eyes yes. to eyes, knows who that is. And so they all know that they were seen. And so they're on this, like, boat going back to wherever the fuck they came from. And I forgot who comments, but one of them says, like, well, the one thing we can be sure of is Cyrano knows where, knows where we are. Right. So in my mind, I was like, great, next chapter is going to be a finding a new place to stay. It's not. No. It's super not. <laughs> no. They just hang out there for days. Yeah. Even, I just, <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. They proceed to have this conversation about Evamir's prior love conquests until the wee hours of the night. And I'm like, somebody needs to find an adult in this room and fucking tell them that it's time to go. Yeah. And why, why, why is that the conversation? Like your commander just got shot in the leg like through her leg, your arch enemy now knows where you are. You know where the bad things are happening and you're just going to talk about his love history? Beyond yeah. that, the body father of the heir to the kingdom is plotting active treason against the kingdom. Does no one fi- like does no one think that maybe somebody should wake the sultan up for that? No, right. we're just going to talk shit for no fucking reason to give us backstory that doesn't matter. My god, I couldn't. I mean, just the the choices then- that were made in this book. Well, that's the thing is like the conversation's actually funny and kind of cute. It's just mm-hmm. 
horribly placed. Right. It should have been like, placed differently. Inappropriate. Right. Like, it needs to be anywhere else in the book. Literally any other point up to this moment. Yeah. Because it just, it makes no sense in this moment. And it, I was like, wait, did I miss something? Did I miss a conversation where like, oh, we're safe here because X, Y? No. No. What? They're not safe. Why? Why are you there? They're not safe. But then also, what doesn't make sense to me is Cyrano knows where they are. Why doesn't he lead everybody there to get them and his daughter and the Sultan? And they're all just right there. He could have them all in the palm of his hand. And he doesn't do that either. Yeah. And I'm like, what yeah, the fuck? I guess to be fair, like they hang out there and we're like, oh, my God, guys, you should leave. But like nothing ever comes of it. So. No, <laughs> no, nothing comes of it at all. Oh, my God. OK, so before we move on, there is this term. We find out what the uh say sir did i say that right mm-hmm. say so. sir. sir yeah uh the say sir say pronouns sir. there's a term for non-binary people in erasti it is an or or silar, which i thought was interesting but i would have loved to learn that i don't know not two-thirds of the way through the book oh my god yes yeah. like maybe page one yeah when we were getting all the other info dumps or whenever <laughs> we met melek for the first time it would have been great right. to know what yeah they identify as so the thing is, I understand not wanting to call out non-binary people for being non-binary. You want it to be a regular part of the world. You want it to be something that is not made a fuss over. I'm with you. But if you're going to use terms that nobody knows, much like the other complaints we have with other words in this book, you have to help your reader. Yes. But you can show that without saying like, this is Melek. They identify as say, sir. They're an aura silar, right? But like you could say, you know, Melek adjusted their bindings as an Oriosilar. They use chest bindings to, you know, yes. I, I don't know, XYZ thing, right? Like you could do that. Right. Yeah. And they just chose not to. Yeah. And that would have made our comprehension of the, say, Semsar, have us not think that our Kindles were broken. Truly. Right. Because it would have been immediately obvious that this was now a pronoun. Right. Like, yeah. oh, it's it's the book. It's not me. Got it. That night, before anybody says anything to anybody who could make a decision about the fact that Cyrano is committing treason, in the quiet of the night, Cadu finally, Cadu, Cadau finally <laughs> admits to himself that he wants Evamir. We have a breakthrough. Great. Awesome. So the next morning, finally, someone brings up the Cyrano thing to the Sultan, and the Sultan's just like, well, what a bummer. And <laughs> <laughs> she's the worst. Because Iozina is feverish, and there, there's not a... There's not a presence of authority in the palace and there's a lot of chaos. The sultan decides to go back to the palace to stabilize the monarchy. And the princess and Kadao will remain at this house that Cyrano definitely knows about and can uh, probably Why? deduce that they're there. Why leave your heir there? I don't know. And Kadao will continue to hunt Cyrano and bring him to his sister. You don't have to hunt him. He's just going to find you. You just hang out and keep talking about sex. All right. You don't have to do anything. The Sultan makes Evamir swear to protect Kadao and grants him the privilege of disobedience in order to do that. And Kadao kind of freaks out and thinks his sister's trying to take Evamir from him. And so um, is just like, wait, no, you can't have him. And he, she's like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, I'm not trying to take him. He's just doing me a favor. And Kadao um, takes Evamir aside to talk and ask him, like, what his sister asked. And Evamir tells him immediately everything that the, the Sultan asked of him. <laughs> <laughs> Kadao wants to help Evamir. Kadao wants to help the search for Cyrano, but Evamir wants to keep him safe. And so those two things are not really congruous with each other. Um, but they do come to kind of a compromise where they'll be careful and plan things out. And they swear service to each other again 
in a very touching way. But we had this conversation in the bathhouse. And it ends like they forgot. Right. Right. So they plan to go back to the incense house in very bad disguises. These disguises, they mentioned they're dressing like some other culture, but it's basically like your your entire face is wrapped up in scarves. But they don't have like long enough ones to like cover fucking Kadao's hair. And like they have no plan for if they have to remove their their coverings at all. Mm-hmm. They know that it, like, why wouldn't you? Okay. His mother is a weaver. She must have fabric laying around. Like, yes, it might not be the fancy stuff that you need, but like, you couldn't try just, I don't know, a little harder. Yeah. Well, at any other time, Kadao wore a disguise to go gamble. He put his hair in a turban because that's what people wear. So like, why didn't you do that and then cover your face in a different way? Because like, if your hair is the big thing that gives you away, wouldn't you try harder to hide that? Well, so he says that they don't have enough fabric to make a turban. But again, okay, I miss I, that. But it's stupid. <laughs> Cut some fabric apart. Yeah. yeah. It's not even the right one because they call out the fact that they don't have the right like embroidery on the edges. And they're like, well, hopefully nobody looks that closely. And it just reminds me of like somebody wanting to go dressed up as a mummy for Halloween and using toilet paper to do it. But they only have one roll. And so it's kind of half-assed and pathetic looking. That's what I picture yeah. them showing up as. Yeah. And they're wearing like, like cargo shorts. Yeah. <laughs> So they knock at the back door and the woman opens it and is like, you're supposed to go around the front now. And they're like, what? And she's like, yeah, just go around the front and closes the door in their face. And they're like, uh, uh, okay. Uh, and then they dither for what feels like an eternity. And then they finally decide that it's a good idea to go in. And I don't know why. (laughs) Because clearly things are off. Clearly things are off. Inside, they wait and wait and wait and wait. And Cyrano comes in and they try to avoid being noticed by making out, which again, hey, let's not draw attention to ourselves. Why don't we make out? So I will agree, and I don't remember it, what movie, TV show, whatever, someone called the fact that, like, public displays of affection make people uncomfortable, and so people will usually look away from people who are, like, having that kind of moment. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I could understand from that perspective why they go in this direction, but I also... At one point, they're making out, and Evermere has, oh my god, Evermere has his uh, eyes open, is, like, looking around at everything else other than the person he's kissing, and I'm like, my guy. Which, I think I would notice that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, why are you staring at me when you're kissing him? Right. They have no chill, these two. No. They're the worst. No! I mean, but they both really like kissing each other, and they both get hard about it, so... That's awkward. But then they don't do anything with it. Nope. And so they're just going through the next couple of scenes with like rock hard boners. Um, (laughs) So the next couple of scenes are Cyrano leaves. They think they've gotten away with it and they try to leave too. But Cyrano and his lackeys meet them at the front and the back doors and they are kidnapped and taken to a lair with Sylvia, (laughs) Cyrano's sister, and the counterfeiter, Azuda. Dun, dun, dun. Turns out all of the people from this country are bad. Which shocker <laughs> also wow <laughs> <laughs> i it seems very like uh 90s spy movie where all the bad guys are russian right <laughs> also there's a subtle like undercurrent here of like this country that cyranos and his sister and the counterfeiter are from like th- overthrew their monarchy like a couple hundred years ago and have just gone downhill since then so it's like mm, democracy bad monarchy good and it's like <laughs> <laughs> okay 
That okay. economy, though. That economy, though. <laughs> wow. So they're they're like before these people and uh, Sylvia and Cyrano and the counterfeiter are like bickering about their plan. And Cadow knows they're going to kill Evermere if he doesn't do something. So he lies and tells them that Evermere is a noble and worth just as much money to the Sultan as he is. And then we found out find out that these guys have a truth teller, also called a Sat Yada. And they're like, well, we'll get the truth teller in here to make sure that that's true. And the only way that Kadal can think to make it true is if he marries Evamir. And at, on the one hand, I love the idea of getting married so easily and just being a vow between two people. On the other hand, it doesn't make any fucking sense if you have to get it an older divorce. And on the other, other hand, so contrived. If getting married is to, is a commitment between two people, why do I have to get anything annulled or divorced? Like, why can't we just say, you know what, this isn't working out anymore? I, yeah, that's a great question. Because they don't need, like, a priest or whatever their religious equivalent is. So, they're married now. The truth teller comes in and <laughs> uh, says, yep, he's definitely noble now. And Cadow, Cyrano's is basically like, how the fuck did I not know that you were married? And... Kadao is basically like secret police. I mean, what do you not get about that? And Cyrano just like takes that at face value. And I'm like, brother, you no are really stupid. No, not a follow up question to be seen. He knows that Evamir got assigned to Kadao as a product of the hunting accident. <laughs> but they're married. <laughs> and they've what? been married. <laughs> and if marriage happens where we can just have a conversation, there's no question of like, you just fucking did this, didn't you? <laughs> They were whispering in the corner. Like, what were you doing? Getting married. Getting married. Making chocolate. Like, what? <laughs> well, and also, like, he tries to, like, couch the whole thing because his sister's like, did you know this? And he's like, no, I had no idea. No clue. How am I supposed to know anything? I don't know anything. I'm not kept in the loop at all. And I'm like, my dude, you're literally everywhere that they turn. How have you not known? How did you not know? How did you miss that? Yeah. And you follow them around. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I even feel like the like the truth seeker could have asked follow up questions like, when did you get married? Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, she's not paid for that, which I do yeah. really appreciate her energy. I do, too. I do. I do love her like, well, there it is. Anything else? Yeah. When are you going to when should I send the bill? Should this be right. separate? But one one bill or separate? <laughs> <laughs> she, I I love that energy. Yeah. I do so too. the truth teller's name is uh, Tenzin. And that's it, that's she will, she'll come in later. So that, that's why I introduced her. But, you know, uh, Cyrano and Sylvia are basically like, well, fucking fine. I guess imprison them both. And so they're thrown into a locked room, which isn't a dungeon. It's a part of a wine cellar, but they, they're locked in there and it's dark. And when they're thrown in there, um, they immediately start making out. But stop. What else is there to do? <laughs> because what else is there to do? But they stop short of anything else because if they were to, quote unquote, consummate it, it would mean divorce, which is a very public and costly affair, rather than annulment, which can be very private. And I have questions about that. Why? What's the difference? I don't understand. Like, also, who's going to know? No one's watching how? you in this moment. And how do you determine male consummation? Even determining, like, female consummation, where they used to, like, check the hymen, still isn't correct because you can break it doing, like, riding a horse also why is it anybody's business if a marriage has been consummated if you don't even need a witness to get married right right 
I just not, and it it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. And to your point, Katie, if we need no one around when we get married, why do we need anything to be legal when we get divorced? Yeah. It felt super plot devicey to me where they were yep. like, I just need a reason to to draw out the rest of my story. Yeah. Because things I, start to get spicy. Like they get on top of each other. There's a lot of like kissing and touching. Clavicles. But then at one point. But at one There's point, lots like, of clavicles. <laughs> <laughs> but like Kadawa at one point just goes, stop. And Everett just stops. Now I'm saying Everett. You're welcome. Evermere. Evermere. Evermere just um, like stopped immediately. Which good for him for listening to cues. Yes. But also like Kadawa, what are you doing? It's, it's weird. I don't. I and we kind of get to it later, but like, what is consummation? Because that sounds like a gray line. Like, and what they it, do? Oh my gosh, doesn't even count in my book. Kissing and like, we don't even know what they do because it's behind closed doors. Yeah. So like, is oral sex consummating? Because I don't think so. No, according to Jesus, it's not. So. <laughs> <laughs> jesus says no i mean so like that's the bar right guys anyway rather than rather than fucking in a cellar they try to feel around in the dark (laughs) to figure out like if there's a way to escape and evamir realizes that the door to the room has hinges on the inside and somehow he takes like the hinge pins (laughs) out with his bare fucking hands and then can move the door and he gives kadao the hinges as a wedding present and I did when, like that actually. I did too, especially because when Kadao have a door. <laughs> when Kadao takes the hinges from him, his taste touch um or his touch taste like kicks in and his scent like memory for iron, which is what the hinges are made out of, changes to the memory of the seller. And he will always think of that when he touches iron now, which was really cute. Yeah. That was really cute. And the comment that like he hands him like he pulls the door off of the hinges. He already handed him the, like the the hinges itself or whatever the those are the pin thing. Yeah, the pins, know. right? And then he takes the whole door and like gestures it towards Kadao and is like, "Here's your wedding present. I got you a door." And it's like, <laughs> and Kadao's like, "Oh, I don't have anything for you." <laughs> I know. I did like that. I was like, I wanted that energy the whole time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just be little dweebs together. Right. Yes. So they, they get out of the room that they're locked in specifically. They both grab a wine bottle as a weapon, which is effective, I guess. But when they get to the next door, it's locked and the hinges are on the other side. But before they can get further than like, hey, what can we use to pick this lock? The door opens and the truth teller, Tenzin, is standing right there. And it's very easy to convince her to betray <laughs> these people that she's with and go with them. And they all sneak out by jumping out of a window. <laughs> So after they escape, they run back to the quote-unquote safe house, which is Evamir's mother's house, which is where Cyrano and Sylvia and probably Azuda at this point know where they are, mm-hmm. but choose not to do anything with that information, I guess. Uh, sure. Why would you? You know? Who cares? Too easy. High security at mommy-in-law's house. <laughs> <laughs> when they get there, uh, they realize that it's been like less than a day since they were kidnapped and like... In so much as nobody's really raised the alarm. Like, Tadek says, where have you been? Because we got a letter from Melek that basically said, you guys had been taken and they went off to try to find you, but we didn't know anything else. And so Melek is now missing. (laughs) But I guess it's better because Kadao and Evermere are back at the ranch. (laughs) 
just fuck Malik, I guess. It's clear now that both Evamir and Kadao have it bad for each other. Kadao sends a letter to close the port, as well as a letter to his sister to update her. And I can't help but think that they should have made a little bit more effort to capture the people at the house before they could escape. Like, it's the, again, it's the definition of creating your own problems. You wouldn't have to go after these people and, like, close the ports and, like, set up all of these different watches if you had run to, like, literally any authority figure and been like, hey, that house over there, just arrest them. We'll talk about it later. Right. Because, again, you're royalty. You're right. And if his goddamn sister had closed the ports, like, when it was originally suggested. Truly. And checked her sketchy baby daddy. Right. If she had just listened to literally anybody about how sketch Cyranos is, this would have all been avoided in the first place. So rather than doing anything with any kind of alacrity, they end up sleeping for a bit, just like taking a nap <laughs> at, you know, Evermere's mom's house. And Kadao and Evermere share a bed. They have a little snuggle fest, a little kissy kissy, but no consummation because the Lord's watching. And in the morning, <laughs> or something, <laughs> or something. <laughs> and in the morning, they travel back to the palace to update the Sultan. The Sultan uses the truth sayer Tenzin to figure out who's loyal to the crown on her guard and Kadao finds that his sister has moved all of his things into another part of the palace. It's more remote in the interest of safety, but also because his rooms were where he was attacked and bad memories. So there's this other thing that happens in this moment where, or like in this conversation about like Tadic, who continues to call, uh, overhears someone call Evermere Highness. Mm-hmm. Tenzin calls Evermere Highness. And Tadic is like, excuse me? Mm-hmm. hold up what why did you say that and so they spend like several days dodging the question yeah but Tenzin and Tadek have this like really great relationship like from the word go because she's a, a truth seer basically and so like they're saying things that are true but like in not full information ways and so Tenzin's kind of outing them a little bit not completely like immediately outing them right. just like false <laughs> yep right and so like uh Kadao's like we're not paying you for this she's like oh no I'm being paid right now in chaos yeah like she's just a little <laughs> chaos gremlin and it's adorable I love her so much <laughs> it is great yeah and the fact that Tadek just can't let it go he's like how are you a secret prince there's got to be a way what am I missing here he's I know like- tries to map out like did you were you on the boat that was supposed to like yeah. crash or are, are you a secret prince for like another land yeah what is it yeah <laughs> So after all of this, he moves into this new place. He tells the sultan. That's when they go back to the manor. And obviously, it's abandoned. Obviously. Shocker. Yeah. They do find a very injured Malik, though. And they get them to a doctor. And Malik doesn't die. Don't worry. No one dies. Yeah. So the sultan is working to secure the throne and project an image of wealth and happiness. And that means festivals and parties and dinners and parades. And she charges Kadao with parades, which, again, it doesn't really matter. It's just like bureaucratic nonsense for the sake of bureaucratic nonsense. There's a big state dinner as a part of this projecting the wealth and happiness thing. And the evening before, Evamir is, get help, is getting Kato Kadao ready for that dinner. And at the end of it, he just closes the door, pushes him up against it, and kisses him. And he does this as a way to, like, break Kadao out of his, like, negative thoughts and prevent a panic attack. And, like, these these are the scenes that, like, that's really cute. I want more of that. And it's not that we don't get that. 
We don't get any more of that. Mm-hmm. No. No. Yeah. When Cadell returns, he, um, it's like four hours later, and Evamir asks to stay in his room that evening. When Evamir is washing up, he realizes that he's in love with Cadell and knows that he's in trouble because he knows that he's going to have to watch Cadell marry someone else and potentially have children. He also realizes that he's never going to be able to give his own mother grandchildren. And I, like, part of that's really sweet, but also you just leapt right off of a cliff into a lot of conclusions. Yes. Yes. So Poor many baby. people in this book just. <laughs> there they go. Lemmings. Look at him go. Him not being able to give his mother grandchildren was very much like, well, I'm only going to love Kadao forever, and he's clearly going to marry a woman, even though he's not interested in women, and he's clearly going to have children, and I'm just never going to have my own children because I'll always love him. Yep. I was like, uh, okay. Man, that was Way a lot of- Way to pigeonhole yourself into that future. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And you haven't spoken to Kadao about any of this. And why right. do you think he's going to marry women and have children anyway? Like, the only reason that would happen is if his sister and her heir died. Um, When he goes back up to the room, they kiss, and Kadao offers to share his bed non-sexually, but Evermere declines <laughs> okay. because he's terrified of falling more in love than he already is. There's this uh, turn of phrase that talks about the sweet, insistent gravity of desire between the two of them. And I just really loved the way that that was phrased. Over the next couple of days, Evamir goes into a temple to unburden himself, talks to one of the aunties there. It's, it's kind of like a priest, but they're a lot less formal. And they act as counselors. And in this conversation, he talks about how he's in love with the prince and they got married and all of this stuff. And the person asks him, you know, it, it sounds like, you aren't afraid of your own feelings. You're afraid of burdening Kadao with your feelings. And he says, yeah, that's basically it. And he also asks about annulment. And she's like, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be tough over the, the next couple of days with all the festivities, but we can fit you in if you really want to. And so Evamir goes back and tells Kadao this. And Kadao's like, yeah, no, that's that's cool. I just, I'm really busy. And so like, it's going to have to be a couple of weeks, which is a bold-faced lie. Yeah. It's such a bold-faced lie. And he knows it's a bold-faced lie. Yep. Like, sir, I manage your schedule. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Shortly after this discussion, Tadic comes back and they end up telling him why Evamir is a secret prince. And Tadic is just stitched up with laughter and they are never going to live that one down. I also, speaking of other ways that this book could have gone, I spent a lot of this book thinking, is this going to be a threesome? Oh, Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I had that note of like a why choose would be fine. Right. Yeah. Like I would love the three of them together. That's maybe like even great... Melek. Sure. Oh, yeah, exactly. Just a giant why choose. Melek did say that they were not interested yeah. in anything. Mel- yeah. Melek is asexual for sure. Yeah. Okay. So we get this really brief um, interlude where the villains are caught and put on trial. And that's it. We don't know what happens to them. We get one brief glimpse into what's happening and. It's not very satisfactory. No, it's... We don't even really know how they got caught. They just got caught trying to leave the city. But, like... (laughs) It wasn't, like, exciting. Like, who caught them? Who was on that duty? For all the temper that we saw coming off of the Sultan that was misdirected, I really wanted to see a payoff where she just strips Cyrano down to the bone, and we we don't... We're not rewarded with that. Yeah, so what I was going to say is, like, they spent all this time, the author spent all this time building up this story, and then, like, just dropped it. Yeah. Just was halfway through, was like, meh, meh, meh. Which was 
the crux of the plot on right. this political mystery that we found ourselves wrapped up in. Right. And then just... And that's it. Like, this one scene where they're on trial and the Sultan basically says, like, I'm going to do whatever I want to you because your country doesn't give a shit because we own all of its debt. Again, politics and economies and whatever. But, like, it's so brief for all of the other long-winded areas of this book. This one is, like, maybe a page and a half, and it's so disappointing. Yeah. I wanted more. I wanted more retribution. It's such a letdown. Yes. So through the end of this fizzle of an ending, <laughs> Evamir <laughs> and Kadu, Kadao, Kadao, continue their farce. Kadao admits that he is purpose- purposefully putting off getting their marriage annulled. Um, they, he and Evamir continue to fool around, but it's increasingly becoming strained because both of them are just like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Kadao admits in his internal monologue that he loves him, but feels he can't surrender to the feeling because of his status, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Time passes and the palace becomes alive again because all of the nobles who were gone for the summer are now back at court for winter. And so Kadao has breakfast with his sister and a couple of other folks, and she mentions the foreign guy again, the picture that he that she was showing him earlier, and finally tells him, no, this guy's for you. I thought you might like him. And Kadao is uncomfortable especially because evamir is in earshot of this conversation and when he looks over at him kadao can finally see how much he's hurting evamir by not making a decision about this yeah but also the fact that the fact that he hasn't realized that like my guy i know (laughs) how can you not like realize i mean he's somebody who is painted as somebody who is super in tune with people's feelings and is always worried and like this just never hits his radar until I know. now. I don't believe that. Nope. Also, when when Evamir and Kadao are like quote fooling around, I'm pretty sure Evamir is pleasuring Kadao and just like not getting off himself. Like that's where they're drawing the line at consummation. Like one of them right, getting off is, and not the other. Which I think why they make that comment later on, but like that's not clear. It's not clear. It's very no. fade to black. I hate it. And it sounds like they're just making out, and that's the line. Right. But then yeah. they have this confusing conversation of, like, well, I think we had sex. And I'm like, uh, but how? <laughs> yeah. When? We know no. When? Where? Did I skip? Because I skimmed a bit. So like, did I miss that? <laughs> so Kadao asks to be excused, and he takes Evamir to a garden. And he takes him to a folly, which is, like, like in Pride and Prejudice, it's where Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy, like, have that really intense conversation in the Kira Knightley version. It's just like a random like stone nice. place in a garden. They find Tadek and Tadek is like trying to seduce some other noble and they're just like, okay, this is nice. Tadek, get rid of him. We need you to stand guard. And I was like, rude. It's so, so rude. rude. He was here first. Tadek says the two, he's like, I gave up this for guarding you. Right. So in their privacy, Kadao admits that he loves Evamir and doesn't want to give him up and doesn't want to get an annulment and wants to choose him for himself. This one thing for his own self, which would be an interesting character arc if that's what he actually did. Right. But again, that's not how it ends up playing out. No. So they agree. They confess their love for each other. And then I think Kadao gives Evamir a blowjob. Yes. And then f- he finishes off. He finishes himself off in his pants. In his pants. <laughs> um, but I really wish this scene was a little bit more graphic than it is. Yeah, it's the most 
chased blowjob scene I have ever read. <laughs> I know. Well, I was like, come on. That's why we get this comment from Cadal that's like, you know, I owed you a few. Right. And I'm like, why? In what world do you, for what? Did you guys do, when from, did you have, what happened? When, when was I he know. giving you blowies? Why did we miss well, that? Right. I, but then they also had this conversation where Cadal goes to kiss him. And he's like, well, can I kiss you? Because some people don't like it. And I'm like, so if he has been giving you blowies, like, you're not kissing him after? I'm right. so confused. Anyway, they start planning how they're going to break the news to everybody. And they tell Tadek. And Tadek's like, okay. But then the book just abruptly ends. Cadell asks, asks Evamir to get the iron pins from the door made into, like, rings or bands or something for him and Evamir. And then he goes to tell his sister, not that he's choosing... Evamir and then he's already married and you go fuck your kids or whatever but that he's not going to marry the foreign guy no reason and that he's going to the country for a few months yep and he'll be back after that and that's and he'll it come back to meet the foreign guy that is on his way here yep but yeah, not but, marry him so they they talk about how like they can't announce it just yet because of optics and I'm like why <laughs> who's who uh, yeah and oh, okay but, like, also, they, they can't announce it now. But then Kadao makes a point in his, I don't know if he says it out loud or in his internal monologue, but he's like, he doesn't want Eozina and his sister to find out from somebody else. And so I thought that he was going to tell them immediately, but he doesn't. Yeah. And so no. if I'm trying to be brought along in the story arc of, like, he started out as this anxious, fear-driven person and then finally got to a place where he made a decision confidently for himself, he didn't. No, <laughs> he's he still hiding. to hide. Yeah. It's such an unfulfilling ending. Yeah. I feel incredibly let down. So let's get into some ratings. We are pretty similar, except I think I might change my other rating. So uh, we're going to start with Spice Level. Liz, what did we rate Spice Level as? We all rated Spice Level at a one. Um, There is Spice. There's the one blowjob scene. Maybe. Um, So it's there. It's really unfulfilling. And which is a bummer because I do think the author was building up some good chemistry. And there were so many opportunities to make it spicy and they never did. Yeah. I feel like it was one, like, it, it was just over the line of putting it into a one. Otherwise, I probably yes. would have put N.A. Because, like, there, yes. it just basically wasn't there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you'd have to be pretty unfamiliar with how oral sex works to not understand what was happening in that last scene. But it wasn't gratifying at all. Wasn't no. worth the payoff. And it wasn't graphic. So, like, it's there and you know what's happening. But it's still, it's like, instead of, like, closing the door, it's like, we're going to pull down the blinds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. And yeah. put a flashlight behind them so you can kind of see what's happening, but not really. <laughs> silhouette. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Des, how do we rate the writing style? Uh, we gave it a three, and I think I can kind of speak for all of us. Like, the writing, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, there's no, there are some words that are a little unfamiliar, but, like, we kind of get that from a lot of fantasy books. The wording was pretty, and, like, they, we had these moments of, like, oh, I like that. And the writing wasn't too flowery to be completely incomprehensible, but it also wasn't amazing because yeah. there was a lot of stuff that didn't make sense. And so, yeah, we gave it a three. Yeah. 
which brings us to the quality of storytelling, which we all gave a three as well. And I think based on our discussion, we're all on the same page with this because it was an interesting world, but it, it spent, you had to spend so much of the book playing catch up because you didn't have any guidelines, any guardrails at all. And at the end of it, I think it is an interesting world and I would like to read more of it and more of certain characters, but it wasn't spectacular. Right. And so it was just kind of a big, you know, not great. Nothing not burger. Yeah. Big nothing yeah. burger. It, it, it was boring. Yeah. Boring and is a good I place feel to say. lied to about what I was getting into. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the boring piece is interesting because the book is so long and they're so the wording, the way that it's written is not simplistic. Like it is complex no. wording and it's pretty, but like it's telling a story that isn't interesting or compelling in any meaningful way. And so like, it's just, it's boring and unfulfilling and long for it to be like that. Yeah. And, and so that brings us into the recommendation. None of us would recommend this book. And I think that has a lot to do with, you know, the spice level wasn't there. The story is not as interesting as it could be. And it was just hard to get through. I think if you're looking for a book that's kind of the introduction to the new adult fantasy, this is not the book for you. If you're really into economics, maybe give it a <laughs> give it a second look. Um, but yeah, I don't think I would recommend this book. Yeah. No. And a note on like the spice level, um, this is on TikTok very much marketed as a book talk romance book and we've read a lot of romantic books that have no spice but the romance is good the Mm -hmm. romance isn't even good like they Mm -hmm. have some really cute flirting scenes that could be good but the ending's not fulfilling they're still hiding their relationship it's it's not none of it is fulfilling none of the resolutions mean anything right they're not even committing to each other in a meaningful way and doing a grand gesture at the end because they're still not willing to stand up and say, yes, I choose you in a public way. No well, matter also, what it looks like. Right. They also use their relationship as like ruler and soldier as a crutch for like, I'd say 95% of the book. Yeah. And like, yeah, that just doesn't sit well with me because it, it feels almost like an abuse. Like the, they don't want it to be an abuse of power in either direction to have feelings for these people that have this relationship. But they also like refuse to acknowledge that like at a certain point just figure out whether it is or is not a thing and they just dance around each other for so long that it's obnoxious it truly is yep all right well listeners we did it those are our thoughts on a taste of golden iron by alexandra roland thank you for joining us on this journey as always what did you think please let us know on the socials you can find us on instagram tiktok and patreon at spice traders pod and we'll see you next time bye bye bye